everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Today's show marks the big 4-0-0. That's right, 400 episodes later, and we're still bringing you the same pointless banter occasionally punctuated by our incredible guests. Speaking of incredible guests this week, we do not have one. Instead, you are stuck with me. As is tradition, whenever we hit these milestone episodes, we like to get the old band back together. And so I'm joining John, Luke, and Texas week to catch up and to bring a little bit of my perspective to the current public perception of police work. Thank you to all of our long-term listeners and to those ones who just started listening, maybe on accident, maybe you clicked the wrong show. We are still appreciative. Here it is, episode 400. I'm surprised by the juice you're bringing to that intro. Why? We haven't even started the show yet. Well, it only took you 400 to finally find some energy. That was my um, Freddie Mercury. (laughs) (laughs) Your impersonation of, what's his name? Rami impersonating Freddie Mercury? My impersonation of my buddy Tom impersonating (laughs) Rami impersonating Freddie Mercury. (laughs) Dude, that's great. One of my favorite things that I love to laugh at myself about is going and requesting covers. Covers. So people to cover someone's cover. karaoke. No, no, no. Like if... Oh, the I places, get it. I the get music it. venues I go to are small yeah. enough you can yeah. go and talk to the dude or, or the yeah, like woman the, so you're saying, like you're at a, a bar and there's a cover band up there, or anyone, just an artist. Play me Chris Cornell's cover of "Nothing Compares to You." Yeah, covering Prince, like yeah, I think it's hilarious. I don't think it's they do, stick. but I laugh. I'm I, if you hang your hat on that text, I support it. That is good stuff. I'm trying to think of what other like antics. I have that are just like so they're very subtle and they're for no one but me. You know what I mean? I, de- I know I've got a few of those. I'd have to, I'll have to uh, catalog those and share well, them with the they're audience. They're cataloged in yeah. 399 episodes of Power <laughs> yeah. Athlete Radio. Yeah, I guess like that was my nickname in high school, but I don't know if that's for me. I think it's, I'm probably. I'm probably going to phase that out in the next four or 500 episodes. <laughs> now that's funny. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke. And co-host, Tex. And we are here to bring you just the two of us, the 400th episode oh, no. of Power Athlete. You think we need to phone friends? Well, uh, yeah, we got a couple friends at the podcast so we can bring Jean Wellborné. And Calais. Kali. Kali. Carrie. Carrie. Carrie Hindleman. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to hop into um, ups, downs, all arounds on the 400th episode with the crew. That's right. We have Baba Ganoush, the big guy. John Wellborn, CEO, founder, power athlete, friend of the podcast, of course. When do you want to give him a co-host title? Is co only two? Co is two. Can't do it? I don't know what the three. They don't have those. They don't have, if they had it, we would know it. I'll tell you what, I don't have time to Google it. We're already pushing three hours. (laughs) I know. So ladies and gentlemen, join us uh, with really the OG crew on this This show right when we start, first started spinning it up baby back in the 50s 60s 40s 30s 40s 50s mm-hmm. is when it was me you Callie and John right and then kind of phoning some friends or typically us just chewing the fat and on this centennial episode the fourth centennial episode we're gonna uh-huh. catch up with Callie who we we talk to frequently but never get a chance to really connect with so we're gonna talk to her yes and you hear from her all that's the right. time every episode that's right but now we get to hear her. 
That's right. So we get into some hot things, interesting things. Cali, Seattle, police officer. So there's a lot of things stirring up there. We we cover it and uh, we catch up on some old stories and things that like are just feathers in our proverbial cap as we uh, created some memories traveling across America, across the world, really, as a team doing the CrossFit football stuff and eventually CrossFit sports-specific application. And then I guess now in like our, our power athlete chapter, right? So it's a fun one. It's nostalgic for us. It's long. So strap yourself in, people. We love you. We appreciate you. Loves and hugs. If you love us and want to hug us, you have two options. Number one, you come find me and you hug me. And Tex. Odds are if I'm there, Tex is close. And if he's somewhere, I'm close. Not like this close like we're at now, but we're realistically probably within 20 miles of each other at all times. Yeah, you're not wrong. So if you're out there and you want to hunt us down like Liam Neeson in the Taken trilogy, is there three of them or four? Oh, there's three. I don't know. The Taken trilogy, do it. Or you can give us a virtual hug. You want to know how I'm going to say they can do that, Tex? Head to iTunes and type out your virtual hug in the form of a review and give us five stars, obviously. We are ascending the charts like uh, like you would ascend the Mount Everest, I guess. I don't know. We're, we're number one in a few countries. That's right. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. So, uh, yeah, leave us a review. Help us grow. I, I have one review that I need you to read. Okay. And it was written specifically so you could do this. And that's, that's high value. This is a review from bid good 92 in based in Australia. All right. But he but wrote a shrimp on the Bobby. So we could read it. Me or you? No, you. Okay. I, it has to be you. It has to be so, me. Top one here. Top one here. I'm Luke Summers question mark. Damn it. Who put a question mark on this review? Whatever you put in there, Summers will read it. 364, 364 days till next hockey tryouts and you got to toughen up question mark. This is the podcast for you. It covers all things, strength and conditioning, NFL nutrition, NFL. Is that a common nutrition? Being a decent human, all swaddled in a movie. That's from Big Dude. Big Bid Good. Big Bid Good. I was thinking Big Dude. Is that the one? Mm-hmm. I'm Luke Summers. I'm Ron Burgundy. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have your review read as well. Um, what else do you want to say, Tex? There's also training. Mm-hmm. Lots of, go ahead. Lots of opportunities. Reverse engineering your training goal, and we have your training and movement solution. Mm-hmm. Warm up, strength training, conditioning, all wrapped into one. One of the most difficult things about going to the gym is figuring out what you want to do. You know those people that just wander around lost in the weight room back yes. in the Globo Gym days? Oh, yeah. Well, we Been are a solution done. to that problem. That's right. If you do see that guy and you're on our Jack Street or one of the programs. Spread the word. Be the... Be a good guy. Change yeah. his life. Introduce him to power athlete training through, powered by Train Heroic. Yeah. Give him a hug and a love. You don't always have to be the hammer. You could be a hugger once in a while, too. You know what I mean? Hammer him with hugs. That's our new shirt for 2021. Be, be the, the hugger. hugger. That's Harry Shaw's shirt. And final announcement, guys. This is a um, shameless promotion for Wade season. So we are in the midst of fundraising for Wade's Army, the 501c3 that launched in 2012. Uh, at the hands of the team here at Power Athlete, and it is Im- it's immensely grown, reached the $1 million 
benchmark or milestone last year and we're we're in the midst of the fundraising efforts now so here's my challenge to you ladies and gentlemen number one go to wade's army make a donation if you can if you're not in the position to make a donation we appreciate that here's my big call to action be a fundraiser if you've been a longtime donor number one thank you but it's time it's time to step it up I think we need more fundraisers this year. And I think it comes from these great, amazing, beautiful listeners of Power Athlete Radio. Let's get more fundraisers. And if you can connect Wade's Army with just one new donor, you've done an immense, immense thing for us. And to piggyback off of that, we do some of the funds go toward, directly towards helping families that have been mm-hmm. impacted by neuroblastoma. And there's only 18th. 18 treatment centers within the United States to so say you live in, I'm just going to throw out new, what's the city in New Mexico, Albuquerque? Sure. Okay. Well, you have to uproot and move your family to Lubbock, Texas, which would be the nearest treatment center mm-hmm. for neuroblastoma. And families that did have to uproot or leave their job, loss of time, travel, moving the cities, we provided financial support for over 20 families and growing. But all of the families were led to us through one of their friends that heard about Wade's Army based off the T-shirt drive. There you go. So this is not a high Google search seeking out. It was all friends. Referral word of mouth. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that could be you. And if you start your fundraising efforts, it may feel, you know, I don't want to ask people for money. But you're not just, you're raising awareness. Right. And if you can connect a donor to Wade's Army, that's a huge win for us. If you can connect a family affected by neuroblastoma to Wade's Army, you've used your power for good. And that's what the whole the whole fundraising effort and the whole Wade's Army organization is all about. It's helping families in need. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for letting us give you a little feedback on that. Again, wadesarmy.org. Follow them on Instagram. Um, if you want to donate directly. Oh, if you want to make Texas it competitive, page. if you want to make it Hang competitive, on. you can go directly to Texas page. If you're not willing to fundraise, go ahead, text what's your give.classy.org <laughs> give.classy.org backslash text T-E-X. That's far too complicated. Or you can go to give.classy.org slash the T-H-E summers S-U-M-M-E-R-S. And that's my wife and mine's fundraising page so if who do you like more mere text just go donate to the opposite and then the opposite and then cut it in half and double it and then we'll take it so thank you ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening let's get on to the show with our favorite cali in the world cali hinsman and baba ganoush should we do it yeah take a deep hey, breath you spitting this <laughs> no that's a sigh no actually why it took me go, so go. long that cup was very moldy <clears throat> so i had to clean it for you Luke Summers likes mold. Did you not hear the whole mold is caffeine lecture that John gave us in our nutrition lecture two minutes what? ago? What? You guys, listen to this. So um, I bought like probably a month and a half ago, as soon as it dropped below like 80 degrees, I bought at Target, you know, one of their seasonal pumpkin spice coffee things. And I've been drinking that for like, I don't know, a month and a half, right? Fucking decaf. I've been drinking it every day. <laughs> And then, seven or eight cups. No, no, that's just it. Is that I've like, Son of because, a bitch. Because, because I'm still nip to lip feeding. Uh, 
I'm very careful. So I only have like one cup and I'm like, I don't want to, not too much caffeine. I fucking went to go get breakfast the other day with Tom and we had a regular cup of coffee and I was off the rails and I had no idea why. And I was like, Tom, I don't know how you're feeling, but today let's fucking tear some shit up. I was like, let's go, let's go to Lowe's home Depot. Was there cocaine in there? There must've been, there was just regular caffeine. And I went home and I look at this thing and I've been drinking decaf pumpkin spice, like the most weak possible <laughs> imitation coffee drink you could possibly imagine. So I'm, I'm picturing Callie and Tom and like an outdoor kind of cafe, cafe yeah. right? And she's like drinking this coffee and they're having like a casual conversation and all of a sudden <laughs> a lens falls out of her sunglasses. <laughs> right. And, and she like takes another sip and another lens right. comes out. And, 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 and like, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, it's like, Whoa. <laughs> like Blade versus Soundstorm starts playing on somebody's phone. Put some glitter on. <laughs> Mixing in other's exactly glow sticks it. coming out of her purse. <laughs> it's like I'm picturing smash cuts in the movie. Like Tom's kind of getting more and more concerned. And like, you're right. Glitter starts to like really layer on. I think I have a cover photo for this. <laughs> it's Callie glitter being glitter bombed by Peterson with. Oh, yeah. The sh- That's true. Party lenses. And then yeah. does, does Peterson just parachute in on a, like a big gay parachute? He Which does. is just like a whole bunch of dudes holding hands. <laughs> I fucking throw Josie into the crowd. I'm like, yeah, get her. Get hands up. Tom, hold the baby. I'm, yeah. I'm peeking. <laughs> He's like, oh, not again, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, I thought I thought we talked about this. Uh, the other sound thing that might happen is I'll try to I'll try to hear it when it comes. But you know, in Virginia Beach, we have the the jets that fly like every 20 minutes and it's just like so loud it sounds like there's like an aircraft carrier in our you know parking lot it's so loud so we'll, we'll try to be, it'll where be you guys living in bb it'll be nostalgic for our longtime where? listeners they'll be like is that a dump truck or uh <laughs> right yeah, where, exactly. uh, what side of uh, virginia beach are you on I don't know. We're like, we're near Damn Neck, if you know yeah. Damn Neck. Oh, OPSEC. You can't compromise OPSEC. Um, there <laughs> is a like Greek that. Lebanese restaurant pretty close to Damn Neck that I can send you the link for that is absolutely unbelievable. They got gyros? Really? Dude. Do they have gyros? Uh, so like Luke's like, what's their hamburger like? <laughs> we've spent uh, an inordinate amount of time actually at Damn Neck over the years and know like a pretty good blend of restaurants to eat at. That because the, the surrounding strip clubs are so good? Is that why you spend so no, much time here? <laughs> no. Because I hear they're not. Kittens? Uh, nope. We can also tell you where not to eat. Like that time John got food poisoning and had mm-hmm. to sit out the seminar. Yeah, that was at uh, Chickie's. We got a bad clam. Was it... <laughs> I was going to say, was it food poisoning or did you just have too much gluten? No, we uh, got In- this huge tower of seafood. Uh, that had like all this different seafood. Seafood tower? Clams Casino. (laughs) Yeah. And I ate a bad clam and I got home and was like, man, something's wrong. And then I proceeded to throw up for this. You shoveled, what was that? Uh, Some niacin. Niacin. Thinking it would help. And it didn't. A lot of niacin. You know, when it comes to clams, you got to do the smell test. John, you know. No, they smelled fine. They smelled fine. Oh, okay. Well, well, maybe your heart is smelling. Uncle Dave and I didn't get sick. Yeah, well. Maybe you Just guys didn't get like a, that clam. Were you smashing clam? <laughs> Uncle Dave, yeah, we were smashing clams. Oh, God. Uh, Each other's? Yeah, there was a lot Navy, of scissoring going on. Front clam or back clam? At this Navy SEAL bar, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Known a couple for frog clams. hogs? Yeah, it's, yeah. Frog hogs, a, a frog lot of frog hogs, hogs in that place. 
but at uh, at Damnick, um, God, what was the uh, what was the place that we went? No, when we were staying at Uncle Dave's house, we were staying over by the uh, like over on that other side. But like when we stayed at the most recent one, man, there was that um, uh, that Greek place was was yeah. We were, good. we were staying right on the beach, Greek place. There was a couple bars. Yeah. Like Sanis and I went and go drank. Boy, these guys got sleep. You know Did, me. Uh, I'd go. I'd opt for sleep. I think. Yeah. As okay. a, I can only. I can only what imagine. What year was this? Hang on, Callie. First off, I'm putting myself in like a trio of conversation between Xanus and Tex, and I'm just. I'm out. I'm out on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Xanus is wearing a diaper. Mm-hmm. I can like see what yogi. you would do. What you would do in that situation, Luke, is just go make friends with the locals in the bar. Oh, uh, that's right. The townies. Yeah. He's over yep. there licking oh, yeah, their faces. Right. Oh, lots of townies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that, did, actually. Did Dave live on base? Uh, no, he had a, he has a house. Um, Can't tell me. Okay. Uh, God. Um, it's okay. I wouldn't know. It's, it's, oh, it had it's windows. A, windows. It's about, doors? Thir- it's about 30 minutes from Damnick because it was about a 30-minute drive. I remember we drove down a road, went past uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, American Sled Dogs. Uh, Jim, and then we made a right turn, and then there was a sushi restaurant, and then we kind of snaked. Yeah, and then there was also some, like I think it was called Frog Hogs. Like there was a bar there. Frog Hogs. No, those are that's what they the the seal groupies are called. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a frog hog for sure. Like yeah. like uh, badge chasers, like that kind of. Uh, we call chaser? them cleats chaser. Oh, badge like a. A vagina. <laughs> oh my God. It's pronounced vagina. <laughs> my bad. Uh, hey, speaking of seafood works. towers, um, John, do you remember the, the seafood tower that you ordered in Vancouver when we had a seminar up there? You do I? I you, you and I went out to dinner and you were like, I was like, you know, I think, you know, I probably said, I'll just get a salad. And you were like, all right, well, I'm just going to order something small for us to share as an appetizer. <laughs> they bring out this like 200 piece. Uh, yeah, giant we, we were sitting tower. outside in Vancouver. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. It was yeah. awesome. And they bring out this thing and it's like. The ocean is calling, and they're running out. Like it was a lot of seafood, but we we smashed it. It was yeah. great. Yeah, no, that's uh, Vancouver. Always has a special place in my heart for the fact that uh, my mom grew up there, and like my granddad. Which this is crazy. I think I drove you um, on to Homer Street, but eleven eleven mm-hmm. Homer. He owned that entire block for his company, which now has like four thousand condos. And I, I still laugh. I told my mom. I sent her a picture and was like, "Hey, this is uh, you know," because I remember as a little kid going there. And my grandfather owned from like one street to the other. And it's like, I mean, literally an entire city block. And I'm like, incredible. Can you imagine what that would have been worth today? And she's just like, my mom just gets sick when she thinks about it. But um, yeah, so we went to Vancouver. We sat outside at that uh, seafood restaurant. Man, I mean, like I have so many memories of going up there as a kid because my uh, my grandmother um, ended up living in Victoria or sorry, my aunt lived in Victoria. My grandmother lived in Vancouver. And so that whole area. But. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, it's beautiful. Didn't we? Uh, didn't we go to Vancouver, Tex? I, I've never been to that part of the country. Like Seattle, you never uh, did a Seattle. So, I did Seattle. Yeah, but I, never that part of Canada. I love oh. Toronto and uh, Montreal. So I imagine I like the other side, but dude, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking of Toronto when we went to that uh, uh-huh. that steakhouse where they had that dudes had all those white Lamborghinis outside. That was amazing. <laughs> that was a good place. Uh, Dry aged beef. I forget how long it was, but it's something that was illegal in the United States. Yeah, it was like 90 days. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, dry aged beef was my uh, nickname in, in high school. Okay. When is that joke going to die? It's uh, funny. Uh, the better part is, is people are like, oh, yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, isn't that Luke's nickname yesterday? Nice. Can we just say, like, after your 20 year reunion, that, like, all your nicknames from college or high school just. It's over. Yeah, some well, you know, we've got at least one super fan out there cataloging all the nicknames, right? Really? Well, well now, like Hugh, Hubert Cumberbatch, or whoa, hey, whoa, opposite. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Callie, what's your exact address and phone number? Why don't we put that on there? Or oh, have we started? Are we going to post this part? No, I don't know. Are we recording? I mean, everything's. We're always recording. Always. Always. Everything's recorded. ABR. Yeah. Always be. Always record. That's why I'm in a nondescript. Like, there's no pictures of my family back here. <laughs> I thought they just canceled Halloween. portraits. Yeah. yeah just I thought they canceled Halloween like they canceled the Seattle Police Department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, soft spot, John. Should we start yeah. it? Halloween or it police? Yeah, yeah. Should we Pop do it? it off. We, didn't, we didn't waste much time getting to talk about food, so I'm just wondering when movies are going to come. Uh, food and seminars. <laughs> I, uh, dude, I tell these guys all the time, I'm like, man, I can't wait for us to refire up the CrossFit football seminar so we can go back because out and eat some Daddy's fucking hungry. amazing dinners. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're going to be upset to find out that Callie's been running it the past four years. Uh, well, you know what? Hey, Thank God. How did you like that email, by the way? Yeah, that guy was sucked. Uh, oh I found God. I was insulted by the misuse of the the unit of time that a light year <laughs> isn't a time measurement. It's a distance. Yeah, but that wasn't in our that wasn't in the initial correspondence uh, okay. with this guy. Well, this it ruined guy's... everything for me, but I so thought it was guy... great. Yeah. Did he get yeah. back? You know, he, did. he didn't. He did not. I thought at least you would. He'd come back and say, like, ha, appreciate, ha. yeah, yeah, just appreciate the effort you put into that. But no. Well, I think people have lost this, lost their sense of humor, especially over email. Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe he just thought I was like a crazy person. Eh. He, mm. he, he's not wrong. Thought or new? <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on with you guys? Speaking of new... What is new? Well, nothing. Same old, same old as they say. Nothing new here, except we have central air in the barn. <laughs> Holy and we have And we have a shower. That's huge. Uh-huh. Uh, finally finished the bathroom after a couple of years of construction. We're one big, or maybe two or three big sheets of glass away from one Tex and I just bro showering in the morning. One piece of oh, glass. Yeah. Well, we got to save water. Uh, well, is it going to just be one swinging piece yeah. of glass? Yeah. So I had them, instead of putting panels in yeah, and this, that's smart, I want just a huge fucking door. I mean, uh, like a huge fucking guy. Pulling the china shop, Tex uh, broke his phone friggin'. answering it the other day because he just doesn't know how to be delicate um, with things. <laughs> what, what's the doorstop situation? <laughs> He's going to swing that fucking thing open. Well, if you break the door... I mean, that's going to be a replacement fee. Shatters in the shower. I'm surprised yeah, you guys... don't shatter the fucking door. If you what? shatter what? the bathroom door... Why get a glass door? <laughs> people in glass showers shouldn't throw stones? Yeah, yeah. Stone um, hands. I'm surprised you guys weren't influenced when we... Do you remember when we stayed at that... Um, <laughs> that Airbnb d- disguised as an Airbnb <laughs> that was actually like a rape shelter, rape uh, dungeon. The weirdest and they part. Had a bathroom, they had a bathroom that was like open. It was like, it was it was basically what I would imagine like if you were in Auschwitz and you were getting marched to your death to like a gas chamber. That's exactly uh, what it, what The it weirdest like. part about it is Tex and I showered in that bathroom <laughs> and then I was telling you about it and you're like, well, you know, there's another bathroom 
And I, cause I, it's not, it's that's not, not like this. And, and the thing I was laughing is like, I was kind of waiting for, uh, uh, I'm like, God, I hope Lexi and Callie don't just walk in and be like, what's up? High five, get in the shower, <laughs> which well, would have been even more funny. Locker room, it's, team shower. It's like, it's like starship troopers. Everyone's yeah. just showering together. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, oddly enough, I watched Starship Troopers on Saturday night with yeah. the kids. Oh, That's so awesome. good! And the hilarious right. part is when they were like showering, Let's do it. Uh, like when they were uh, like in in that shower scene, the girls are like, "So everybody just showers together?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's how it works." Yeah. They're like, "Oh, okay." The that's, future, it's the military future. I, I am like, truth be told, I am embarrassed that that was the Airbnb we selected for that that weekend. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. I'm not over it yet. Like I'll eventually get over it. It's, it's a great, it's a fantastic story that oh, Jesus. like everybody like really goes all out for summer strong with their team. And I'm yeah. over here like, hmm, this is 128 a night. And that really nice one's 132 a night. I don't know if we could oh, all my God. afford the, the, the three and a half dollars swing. Well, the parking lot view versus the lake view. <laughs> The fact that it was uh, a home in the middle of a parking lot that used to be a dentist's office converted oh into God. an Airbnb. Oh, that was an insane asylum for sure. It <laughs> well, was. Uh, but a dentist office doesn't need a hose room to shower down <laughs> crazy people. Oh, I guess it does. Uh, this is very the bizarre. Other, the other weird part about that is... Uh, Actually, that we got that we got every, hammered when it was like ninety degrees outside, well, and we just sat out. Technically, this is uh, episode. I got so drunk, I went to bed at six o'clock. This is episode four hundred four hundred and one. I was like, it's five o'clock. I think I'm going to go to bed. I'm real tired. I'm like, I am the worst drinker. Luke, on the other hand, can drink for like three days straight. I have like three drinks, and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I think I'm going to go lay down. Well, whenever oh, I get drowsy, I just put on a Vici, and then it'll get me through in the next twenty four hours. <laughs> That's my I mean, secret. Avicii and White Claws. We also, yeah, that was the dawn of the White Claw, and John just thought it was water. Uh, he was drinking them well, to I, hydrate. I woke up at 4 a.m. so dehydrated from all the drinking, went downstairs, and all I could find was White Claws, pounded like seven White Claws, and then went back to bed and was like, man, I feel way hydrated, and then woke up even more dehydrated. To give a little context to the listeners, this is, is or was the annual um, Summer Strong event, which is where our team has decided, like, we'll come together, let our hair down, have a little fun, blow off some steam and get to be, I guess, spectators because a lot of the events... we don't get to, we don't do that at the symposium, really. No way. Not at all. It is not at all that. It is not even at all that. It's nothing like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, so it's not like every weekend we're just smashing seven white claws. I mean, we take one or two weekends off. Uh, dude, I uh, not to derail your story because I'm, I'm... No, that was it. That's I'm story. excited on this story. <laughs> uh, I had a White Claw, I think it was on Saturday night, as we were watching Starship Troopers. And I'm not kidding you. I felt awful. They're bad. They're bad now. Um, they changed the brew. It's changed. Someone changed it. Something like something happened, and like all of a sudden I got this like weird gut bomb and was like, man, I feel awful. You want to oh, know yeah. what's in? You want to know what's in, Callie? Callie, you want to know what's in now? Tell me what's in, Luke. You're going to tell me anyways, so... I'll tell you. (laughs) Premix. The premix drinks. I'm off the malts. The malt seltzer stuff, I'm off. You're on? I'm just going back to bourbon. No. Big time. Well, yeah, no. First off, if you're going to have a drink and watch a movie, I'm I'm all on that. But if it's like a daytime, need a crisp, refreshed, poolside Bev... <laughs> what? Look, 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 the look on her face. She's like, "What a dude!" What? You, oh, I'm sorry that you don't have any poolside bevs. Just ready, let, let ready my in. eyebrows speak for my <laughs> expression. What the fuck? A poolside bev? Who are you? I'm Luke Summers. Dad. <laughs> yeah. Dad. Yeah. 
We got a pool. We got a neighborhood pool. You got to so roll up. So you're just taking, uh, you news. got her in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the wagon with you at the walking roadie, basically in like a big cup <laughs> like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Adult Halloween. So I'm, so I'm a, little a big bar in the so I'm the a big, quarantine coffee is what it's called. <laughs> I'm a big high noon. I'm a big high noon guy. Have you heard of these? Have you heard of this? Uh-uh. Yes. So it's basically you've heard of it. Coffee and yeah. bourbon. Yeah. No, no. It's like flavor. It's essentially a vodka drink. It's like a high. It's like a white claw, but instead of malt liquor, it's a actual like vodka. It's a vodka mixed drink, but in a can. Oh. And then there's another one. Ranch well, waters. Yeah, the the ranch waters are awesome as well. And then. Um, but that's just, they're only out here. So no one's going to be able to get that. What is that margarita Good. one? There's a, here's the deal. As you know, I'm a big, uh, cost per ounce guy or cost per proof guy. Oh, I knew that. Fru- you- Frugal shocker. Heck, we can reference back to what we were talking about. What, well, the $3 savings use- on Airbnb for the rapey. <laughs> yeah. And you get your vans out of dumpsters. Like anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Man, so it's like a margarita one, but it's it's twelve percent by volume margarita. So like you're <laughs> oh supposed God. to pour it over ice. You don't have to. You can drink it out of can. On that note, uh, Bud Light was sued, huh? so their limeritas didn't contain like Lime? tequila. Oh, so they got sued for false advertising. Did it, did it say it has tequila in it? I don't know, but somebody sued them and then won. So Bud Light had to pay out and then take it off. But Some with the, alcoholic sedum. <laughs> my friends, Why we used to play this game, uh, like a fingers game. Uh-huh. So all of us, if we put a, a finger on and then we'd say one, two, three, and then pull off and i just call out a number, however many <laughs> fingers are left on the rim. Got it. And if I got the number right, I, I got to be out. And mm-hmm. you just went down to the last two guys to say, all right, one, two, one. Do you and make if, up these drinking games? No, I've but I love heard of, I've never heard I, of any. But, but the last man standing on the limerita had to drink it, so it was like punishment for to drink the limerita. Well, you know yeah. what the Naperville version is. You just yes. drink it. No, you you put your penis on there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I fucking saw that coming from a mile away. I know. As, as he's talking about fingers, I'm like Texas I'm like, deal oh, would be yeah. fingers. Yeah. Naperville. Yeah. And the winner gets to drink it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just leaving their dick on the rim and is like, six. 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 Okay. Six. So wait a minute. What if we drink it and just spit it in each other's mouth? Okay, that's better. That's also a version. <laughs> what do you call that game? Uh, baby bird. <laughs> it's not a joke. You guys, you, guys, you guys all keep your shirts on? No, no. Shirt, shirts are on, but your pants in the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Top, yeah. Topless parties are out. Pantsless parties are in. Yeah. That isn't a bad idea. Yeah, with like real high socks, you know. Oh God! And uh, like white socks and uh, penny loafers. Yeah. Oh yeah, we could do that with the penny in. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um. Now, what do you guys want to talk about? What did I want to bring up? Something. I lost. Should have wrote it down. What? What is the? Bada. I can't really think of Zealand one. Damn it. Yeah, that's um, he's like ba, da, da, ba, ba, ba. Maury yeah, yeah. Ballstein. Ballstein. He's like, there we go, a uh, little bit of peepee. R.I.P. <laughs> Maury Ballstein. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I was going to bring up. I guess. In case you haven't Ballstein. noticed, I guess we'll have the intro, and everybody's going to know it's Callie, aka the Voice, aka the Cackle. Mm-hmm, the Callie's cackle. the Voice now. Well, I mean, that's she's like, K. she's the only one who gets away with just having her voice on the YouTube. Well, 
you used to have that little cackle. Yeah, it's just like it took an hour to render that thing, and it just started to you know cost benefit analysis. The joke that ran dry you, on my. It took you an hour. No, like you hit, <laughs> yeah. you have to hit go. Oh. And then the computer just spends an hour making that. It's just it's very complicated. I'm you pretty amazed that uh, your ability to string along a joke that you would say that it kind of burned out. I it, mean, it was time like the amount of time like to tell a repeater joke takes a mo- matter of seconds, but to like. For my computer to be down for an hour to just get that two-minute clip of Callie, like South Park with her mouth and cats well, I, all over. Terrence and Pil- Yeah. I'm glad it's gone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, Hang on. Let me hold on. Let me make a note. Bring back right. Callie <laughs> cat yeah. thing. I mean, uh, I love it. I was actually hoping that we could do, instead of a cat, that we could do Marvin the Martian. Mm-hmm. As Callie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We could we could Photoshop that for sure. Yeah, I don't putting... think kids these days know who that is. Well, they're gonna about, they're about to find out. And I don't think kids are <laughs> listening to this, although one kid does, we found out via email. Uh, really? sorry, kid. Yeah, oh yeah. And is he uh, the we're... one that was like, please stop cursing? Yes. So Callie, I'm curious. I don't recall, and maybe this goes out to text as well. So as this is like a our four hundredth episode, right? So the fourth cent four quad centennial? Is that what it what it would be? The quad centennial I don't epi- know. episode. Centennial is a hundred, right? And then quad would be four. Okay. Um, so when in this whole mess of podcasting, Callie, when did you hop on as a regular? Do you remember? Like how deep were we into this thing? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't even know how that came to be because um, I don't think anyone asked me. Uh, I think I I think now that we got that covered. um, Yeah. 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 So I've just been flying under the radar for, you know, 350 episodes or whatever. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't even know how that happened. I think I was probably, you guys were probably recording in the stock room at Balboa. And then I just, you know, started cackling in the background and you were like, no, it wasn't in the stock room at Balboa. We started the podcast at Uh, old power in, uh, in power that It, it was Feb 10, 2014 was episode one. When did we go into... 2015, 16. At the end of 2015. Well, the first podcast I remember doing was in New Power Athlete. Yeah, and then because we definitely did a Dr. Tom episode in the... uh, At CrossFit Balboa. Mm -hmm. Well, it was 2013. Mm. 2013, Feb 10, 2013. we did. I I do remember that when we did it. It wasn't in the stock room. It was in our weird break room. Remember that? Then I thought that was I thought that was a stock room where we had all the t-shirts folded up and there was like I don't know was that Chelsea's office? <laughs> yeah, that was Chelsea's office. But there was remember okay. we had that break room, mm-hmm. which we should. Oh just yeah, mm-hmm. that was Ned next to the kids' storage. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was where it was. Are you sure it's twenty thirteen? One hundred percent, because the I hopped on episode thirteen or something like that, and I was recording in University of Texas big like film room. Mm-hmm. And then I just was able to reserve it because it was summer football and downtime. And it was just hilarious to me because I was in this giant multi-million dollar room recording on. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. A little iPad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tex was on episode 13. Hinsman, you were in what? The 30s? Probably. Yeah. I haven't even looked back to the first episode that I was on. And again, I can't even remember why or how. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, I think I remember because you were the only person that we knew that actually listened to podcasts. Oh, probably. <laughs> because I, I remember when um, I thought it was a terrible idea and you were like, 
no, uh, people listen to these. And I'm like, who? I don't know anybody listens to podcasts. And you like slowly people. raised your hand and you're like, and I listen to podcasts every single day. And I'm like, really? When? And you're like, when I'm riding my bike around trying to, you know, not eat and imagine what air tastes no, like. No, no, it was way before that. Like I, here's, that, here's how I re- want to write history is that we were on the podcast making fun of Callie while she's in the same room <laughs> and she's like, you guys, it's like, Callie, come join us. She's like, I don't actually have Satan's fingernails as my eyebrows. And then that's how it all shook out. That was her first line on the podcast. <laughs> the devil's fingertips. Uh, yeah. Fingernails. We're going to, uh, we're going to have to have an intern go back and find the, the real truth because I'm certain that's not how it went down. What was, the, what was <laughs> episode? Uh, what was episode one? Uh, I was Denny and Steve calling me while we were in. Well, but, but we never Gravity released Jeans. ever episode one. Technically. No. So what's Denny the, and Steve did on, uh, what was it called? I can't remember the platform. SoundCloud? SoundCloud, maybe? So what was the first one that we actually did and recorded that was kind of power athlete? It would have been it would have been a repeater of that probably that first episode. Um I could find it. It was nonsense. It was probably talking about the cert. It was probably talking about squatting or something dumb like that. I couldn't tell you what those first ones were, man. I remember recording it up in my loft in my rental under the airport mm. uh, with Denny and Steve. I remember recording at Balboa. I remember recording. We did one every like two or three weeks. I'd do have you, to check the Do email. you remember when you guys invited me? I think you had me on as a guest. Mm-hmm. I'd ha- I have them all. I have, a, I have all the raw audio and my digital hoarding. So I could go find it for sure. But they're not labeled. That's things some poor bastard's going to have to sit there and listen to them. Nice. Cole, this would be a perfect job for Cole. Cole, what are you listening to? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Oh, is it good? It's great. <laughs> but what is it? I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> is Cole current intern? No, he was former. our intern. Yeah, our former intern. Oh, okay. Okay. He, uh, he had his strengths. He, he had his strengths, and then he had, he had areas for improvement. He was like, yeah. uh, so what are you listening to? Nothing. And then I went to listen. I'm like, well, that, that would be Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, Real conversationalist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think he had a growth experience here, not in the the capacity in which we were hoping for him. Well, he lost 40 pounds. Yeah. Lost 40 pounds, got stronger, learned how to train. (laughs) Developed some hate in his heart, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, We did our best. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm familiar. uh, uh, Other than the fact that I asked him to help me put tires on my truck. And so I put on three tires. He had the responsibility of one tire and uh, he didn't put the lug nuts on. So as I'm driving, all of a sudden my driver's side <laughs> wheel just goes shooting out and goes flying past me at like 70 miles an hour. And I'm on the back axle and I'm like uh, on the, you know, the trick sling back. I see the tire shoot and I'm like going around a curve and thinking this could be the end of it. This is it. And then I think, huh. nah. <laughs> this is how I go. No, no. Like there was a split second of like, oh shit, this is how it ends. And then I remembered like another voice hit me and it's like. You've done way dumber things, way worse stuff. This is totally mundane. My, my blood pressure didn't even get up. I just put it into the <laughs> ditch, into the dirt. And then uh, he was actually following me, and he pulls over, and he's like, dude, what happened? I'm like, did you forget to tighten the lug nuts? He's like, I think so. I'm like, well, Holy shit. now we have a problem. So then we had to go find the tire, which was like a mile away in like the brush because it bounced over and went into like, uh, you know, like the wilderness. So we find it. Then I had to go get two jacks. Get like jack up one side of the car to get the other side. It, it was uh, the sketchiest shit. Finally got it in there, got the truck, and it's been fine ever since. But yeah, that was uh, that was a good one. 
Yeah, and I remember Luke being like, you almost killed him. The, the, the responsibilities that you presented to that young man astound me. Tex also presented him with the opportunity to clean the coffee machine, our Jura coffee maker, which is like pretty expensive. I mean, it's expensive coffee rig. Yeah. And he went in there and he like started pulling things out and snapping them out, out of the inside. So like, <laughs> I, like I'm surprised we even let him touch things so valuable. But, um, well, I let him, uh, he broke, uh, he broke a hammer and he broke a sander. So like I had how, him sand. How do you break a hammer? Uh, I don't know because the thing is, is I, I don't think we, oh, what, what was I having? I, I was, ha- oh, I know what I had him do. I had him rip out the old shower, mm, shower that, pan. Yeah. You're the hammer, the nail, or the intern. And then he broke the, the hammer. Intern. And then the best is he just put the hammer back in the shop. And I was like, what's this broken hammer? And then I finally, he's like, oh, I broke it. I'm like, don't you think that's something you should have come and told me? And then like the, the sander broke. And then um, I went out there and I was like, why is this sander sitting here? He's like, it stopped working. I'm like, we have a rule. If something breaks, come tell me and we'll find a solution to get a new one. He's like, oh, okay. So he was more of a laborer than an intern, really? Uh, yeah, you know, that, that was the intent, too, I think, was like uh, a little bit of, like, dry, like get some elbow grease and dirt under the finger, fingernails. That, that's kind of that what he needed. That's kind of what he needed. So yeah, that for was this, the angle. For this particular intern. Previous interns prior to that sure, were, sure, sure. were coming to us to, to sort out. Emotional issues, deep-seated. <laughs> Maybe. I well, don't think for Luke K. That's a mistake. <laughs> I don't know, but they wanted to be better oh. coaches. Right. Yeah. Like that was their intent. This cool. particular intern had no, it was about tr- learning how to work out. Yeah. He, uh, uh, junior college football player. Um, he was like 300 and some pounds of like, you know, chewed bubble gum. So he got down to 260. So he lost 40 pounds, put on muscle and actually got dramatically stronger. So for mm-hmm. that, it was valuable. Uh, TC came to us really for a life change. You know, it was just kind of a rudderless graduating college. I don't in know. In hindsight, I, but that yeah. wasn't his original intent, I don't think. I, th- I always think that was his intent. Um, Maybe. Uh, like, in, in hindsight. Not as it was pitched to us, though. No. No, I, I think, <clears> but in hindsight, he was looking for, like, I don't know who I, uh, I don't know what I want to do, um, I'm, you know, and I'm not the person I need to be. I can come to Texas and Power Athlete can help bold me. And I yeah. think we did. And he's like, because he thought he wanted to be a sports performance coach, but now he runs an amazing nail salon out in, <laughs> <laughs> in Newton, Feet Massachusetts. Only. Feet only. Feet only. And, um, and dudes only. So is, good, is he is he a pervy like foot guy? Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I know so TC. The, and so I'm the surprised. name of the salon is Bros and Toes. Um, <laughs> Newton, Massachusetts. <laughs> and the best is they serve Fig Newtons. Yes, that's it. That's you how they space the toes out. Fig Newton. That's how they and, space uh, the toes when they're doing like their toe work is they space them out with uh, Fig Newtons. And, and they, they serve you diet right as well in a champagne glass. Oh my God. Did they do hooves or what? I mean. Asking for a friend? <laughs> yeah. Just throw that out there. <laughs> hey, Ken, Kelly, Kelly, I'm always secretly hoping that bell bottom jeans come back so I can spot you and not be able to see your feet. Okay, can we just distinguish between bell bottoms and boot cut? Because there is a difference. Uh-huh. Uh, bell bottoms are coming back. I saw like uh, recently these some girls on Instagram wearing. I'm like, God, I can't wait for Kelly to get into bell bottoms. Yep. And then we wouldn't I even have be able normal. to. Normal. Yeah, hooves. 
This is a normal foot. That, those things are what, fives? Size two. <laughs> you and Josie sharing shoes, huh? I don't have a dollar bill for scale, but <laughs> just take my word for it. It's it's proportional to my body and height, <laughs> allegedly. Well, where did the Hooves Hinsman thing come from? Can't remember. But, uh, yeah, Cali, okay, Luke. Like... Luke came up with it one time. I don't even know how or why, but I think he just... It was making fun of the size of my uh, feet because yeah, it no. looked like I was going to tip over. And I would you you asked me to like somehow I would, there was an exchange of your your lifters like I like I, oh, I held your yeah, lifter yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I was like oh Callie what is this thing yeah and you're like oh that's my shoe I'm like this thing fits your foot that your foot's is as long as your ankle that's like a hoof hoof yeah. Yeah, and they had like what's heavy a lifter wooden, like wooden the, what are you lifting shoes. shoes? Oh 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 like Olympic shoes. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, I think I, I think those were, do you guys remember we used to have some spares at Balboa that people would kind of communally use, which looking back is fucking disgusting because we weren't like it. a bowling alley where we would spray them out. It was just like communal use. Yeah. And no, I, 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 I sort of adopted this pair because no, nobody else could fit and there were no children <laughs> training there at the time. Anymore. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So those became mine. Mm-hmm. And you still have them and now Tom wears them. No, I don't have them anymore. I don't. I wish I could say that I was Olympic lifting on a regular basis, but I'm not. <laughs> mm. So your aspirations, your Olympic hopes are yeah, yeah, no more shot down. You're gonna have that to get into what curling is curling the new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, curling Mother- my hair, curling. So how is motherhood? How is it? It's it's good. Um, I'm just right now. I'm just hoping she doesn't start crying or like lose her shit. But yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Everything you had hoped to, to be? You know, I, I to be perfectly honest, it, it is that and more, but it's, um, I think there's like, there's there's some bad press going around about how difficult it is, I think. I'm and on that team as well. John, you don't get to say that because you had twins you had and twins. there's legitimate yeah. Yeah. struggle. 100%. It was just a lot of work. So I then, think like, about you all the time, John, how, it must, how hard it must have been with two infants, but... I just think I, I just well, especially feel like not I, being qualified for this. That, that's what I constantly tell people. I'm like, hey, like women are more qualified, like like you guys instinctually like just know what to do. Me, I had no idea. And I'm just like, here's mine. Here's yours. Let me figure this yeah. shit out. And I think that's the other thing is that people always say like your wife, for instance, John would tell me like, you know, you know, a lot more than you think, you know, this was prior to giving birth and everything. And I, you know, I, that sounds like a, a very cliche thing to say, but it's actually true. Like once you start enacting that role, it's very, it is very instinctual. And so it's, um, it's awesome. And I just, you know, I just think, yeah, it's not, it's not that complicated. Like at, at this phase, because, uh, she's not fucking talking back to me right now. She's, she's not, not smoking, driving a car, dating, like it's well, not, she's not moving yet. She, she's yeah, not really she's moving. Not, yeah, I mean, she's she just she just basically just rolls around, babbles, and um, I, I just have to meet her basic needs and make things fun for her, and that's it. Sounds like uh, Luke Summers on the weekend. That's it. <laughs> just basic needs. Ashley just has to make sure you need your basic needs. The Rolling around on the ground. Up, the occasional spit up. That's right. right keep me clean. Keep me fed. Keep me cold or warm, depending on how I feel. And change the TP roll. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you do it in my house. <laughs> in my house, my wife knows when to change the TP. Good, but go are, get your there wife. Are some, there are things that are like, uh, I mean, it's a fascinating, as, as you guys know, it's a fascinating, like, um, 
experience of human observation and just going through that whole process of watching some something oh, yeah, grow. Yeah. But the there are things that like I didn't know would be very difficult. Like I would consider my job, like my job as a police officer to be somewhat stressful, but I have not experienced stress like trying to fucking clip the fingernails of an infant. Like it's like going in to like disassemble a bomb or something and like their fingernails are so tiny and you need like the utmost dexterity. It's, it is a a next level thing. Cause one time I got a little piece of the skin. Oof. Mm-hmm. It just, mm-hmm. it, you know, and that kind of thing, like, I'm not prepared for that. I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, I fucking, I mutilated my child. Well, they, they scratched her face. So I remember that yeah. one. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like I got to the, or like I couldn't cut their nails. So I just put mittens on and taped them on. So they couldn't yeah. scratch themselves. They were yeah. like, they were like, oh, you have to trim the bait. I'm like, this isn't working. And then no. I looked online. They're like, just put mittens on them and d- tape them on. I'm like, sweet. Tape they them just on. had talons under there, like growing. Well, so, and, and then yeah. they finally, and then I think what I did is I got like a little Dremel and I started using <laughs> like a shop Dremel on there. Nice. And that's, yeah. And that was how we did it. And they actually liked the sound and were more fascinated by that. And I was like, zip, zip. on our end, we like early, early issues, right? So early issues with clipping. So whenever Ash would nurse, and I was around, I'd just get in the habit of like yeah. grabbing, grabbing her hand and just kind of holding yeah. her hand and massaging. That's one to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so then as it became time to clip nails, it was just common when she would be nursing, it was common for dad to come over and grab a foot or grab a hand. And then you just get in yeah. there. But then when she was off, uh, off the teat it, and you know, that's when she was also mobile and kind of aware and shit like that. It now is like, it's a timing issue. Like you timing temperament and environment right right, right. if it's playtime there's no way but if like she's kind of getting winding like, down crawling up the stairs or something and is just kind of sitting and observing i'll go sit with her and just kind of with the clippers in my pocket Cash- casually grabbing her hand and see if she's pulling <laughs> away and if she's not i go and get like two or three and then like it's two or three nails at a time and then now it's like trying to keep track of which ones i've clipped in the Man, past three or four days you are a way better dad i just kind of got them in like a position where i held them between my legs and then Grab just kind of like, like grab their like, finger and then mm-hmm. just ground them and let them scream well i'm trying to get the perfect shape because she has this really like long pinky nail i've been growing because she's going to school now and i want all the other kids to know who the for kingpin cocaine? is yeah she's the kingpin man yeah, for, for, like Look at Ruby's Coke nail. She yeah, for Kingpin of, of uh, KLA school Sweetwater. She can oh finally use that baby mirror I got her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, oh so that has been... It's so one thing Callie and I... John, maybe you can fucking set us straight on this. Because there's also, I think, as parents too, like aspirations. Oh, here's how I'm going to do it, right? And there's like the theory and then there's the practice. The practical application of we it, were, yeah. We were chatting yesterday and like... Because it's Halloween, and like candy and we kind of understand that candy is not a good combo with a kid, you know, cause they just turn into fucking monsters yeah. uh, in my experience, watching my nephews and things like that. And one thing that the Spanton family does is this tradition called the switch, Witch, where the kids can go trick or treating. They get the, all the thrills and, and excitement of going around, ringing the doorbell, getting candy, picking their favorites and they come back and, I guess the Spantons try to keep wraps on like how many houses they hit and pieces of candy. And then they'll come back and they kind of pour it all out and they organize it. And then the kids get to pick and I'm making numbers up. I don't know what what the rules are at the Spanton household, but like 10 pieces of candy. And then all the other ones, they donate to the switch, witch, who leaves it's like tooth fairy. She'll leave five bucks under your pillow. If you donate, like give your candy to the switch, witch. And that like, that's a way to peel back or at least reduce the the total amount of candy in the household 
so that the kids don't fucking smash candy for 30, 40 days straight. Yeah. That's and just actually, to be clear, Luke, when we were talking about that, though, uh, I wasn't like suggesting like this Halloween, like my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my child's four months old. So I was just I was kind of spitballing and thinking and I was just curious, you know, like just all the stuff that you don't usually think about. And, oh, yeah. you know, I know I know that you were kind of like on board with like that whole switch, switch thing. But, you know, like I was telling you yesterday on the phone, like I remember when when I was a kid, like my parents just gave me like a pillowcase and were like, see ya in three, four hours. Just come back with that thing full. Gorge yourself. You hate your life after that. Like you you go through this like yeah. crazy peak of whatever and then you're sick to your stomach. And I don't know, like I, I get that that's not that's not very smart to do now, now that we know just the effects that like, you know, sugar, fructose and all that have on, you know, the, the function of our. So what I did is uh, we buy like, um, I'll get like seized candy and some suckers and the kids can go out and trick or treat and then they can come and they can trade me their candy for the better candy. And then I let, and then I take all their candy uh, and I just fucking dispose of it. The only problem is it worked when they were like four, yeah, five, that's six. The thing. Then there's now seven, the eight, problem nine. is, is Jamie is uh, going on nine, which is really going on twenty six. So she's a lot smarter mm-hmm. than everybody else, and she basically somehow early partitioned her candy, mm-hmm. hid it upstairs underneath the couch, and then was eating it and leaving the wrappers underneath the couch. And the way that we found her, found out was the dogs went up, found the wrappers, and ratted her out. And then I was like, I lifted up the couch, and there was all these candy wrappers, and I'm like. Who's he? And they were like, I don't know where those came from. And like poor Killy's like mortified. And then it took them probably four months to finally be like, that was us with the candy wrappers. <laughs> and I'm like, we no. knew. I was like, did you guys think that you were going to somehow convince us of this? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I feel like there's like a window where you can lie to them and they're kind of like this. And then they get to the point where they're like, yeah, now nah, we ain't going to do that. Yeah, if I can kind of remember nine, 10 years old. I, the jig was up. Yeah. Right. Especially with an older sibling too, who just wanted to ruin everything, like ruin the m- majestic portions of the holidays, the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny and all, you know. My kids are still all bought in on that, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, Harry Shaw's daughter, um, Logan, is still bought in on it. Ah. So Logan's still... How old is she? uh, Like 11. Did she listen to this podcast? No, but (laughs) she's still bought in. So like on like the Elf and all the other stuff. So the girls completely... Like, I didn't believe in that stuff past about age six because my brothers told me the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mom's a tooth fairy. You know, there's no such God, thing. Your brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, actually, it was, uh, yeah, it was some older cousins and people. Like, they'd, like, ask your parents. You know, but uh, the girls. And, and like, uh, Kate's like, what do you think? I'm like, I want them to believe in this stuff as long as possible. Like, and I tell them all the time, like, you're going to have your whole life to be an adult. Enjoy being a kid while you're here. Like, and I, like, and I, I always remember, like, I had older brothers. I always wanted to be older, think I could be older. And now I look back and I'm like, you got your whole fucking life to be old. Be a kid. Enjoy this stuff. Callie, what's up? Are you already dyeing her hair? No, no, not dyeing it. She just started crying. So I was like, let's just preempt before this goes nuclear. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just wondering. I mean, she's like, you know, almost like an Auburn sassy redhead. Oh, yeah. She's just a... She's a, she is a sassy redhead. I, I hope that she does turn out to be a little ginger. Uh, and are you spray tanning her too? She, yes, she looks kind of that. I am doing that. Okay, I am good. doing. Yeah, uh, Kyle and twice, I linked on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're bringing somebody in to do a little spray tan. Yeah. Well, she's got a little cellulite going on, so oh, I figured. I know. 
Anything like, to hide the... Yeah, Summer's, Summer's household, we have f- at least 40 minutes of aerobics to try to lean <laughs> Ruby out. She just looks like a fire plug right now. Nice. Like a fire hydrant. Uh, no neck. <laughs> That's how you want a daughter. Your daughter's <laughs> neck should be eat like Brian Urlacher <laughs> neck. Bill Goldberg. Like this. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, dude, somebody posted on uh, Twitter yesterday. I got tagged uh, like a clip from uh, when we fucking laid a curb stomp on the Baltimore Ravens when I played for the Chiefs. And like Ray Lewis was complaining about it. You know, he was getting double teamed. And somebody put the, like a two minute clip in there and it showed our like, um, you know, like when you uh, like the announcer, like, you know, John Welborn, Cal Berkeley. And like his, and it was pretty funny as he got like through all the offensive line dudes. Everybody's neck is like dramatically wider than their heads. And uh, it's pretty funny. I like the kid. I made the kids watch it, and they were like, "Why does your neck look so big?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "It, still, it still was the early two thousands. It was in." I was like, uh, "Thick neck in it." I was like, "I weighed about thirty pounds more." They're like, "Jesus." So did they have John? I guess was there like the animated intros for the linemen and mm-hmm. like players back then? Yeah. So were, were, did you have? Did you have to listen to producers and what you could do, or did you have like a? No, they just let you do whatever you want. Really? So, oh, so that's like awesome. Jared, Jared Allen did uh, culinary school. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I just did uh, University or uh, California Berkeley. Yeah. And then Tony did UC Berkeley. I kind of was. I, I always wanted to be like one of those like Palos Verdes High School or something stupid. But yeah. I was like, ah, fucking, I don't care that much. <laughs> but I guess did they do like the posing one, or you just no, got to introduce? It, back it then, was right? just like a headshot. Yeah, because now now like now you kinda, they do like a pose. Yeah, and yeah. This, and you're like, mm. man. I wish we could get our hands on some of that, like the well-born footage, well-born outtakes from oh, the so NFL <laughs> interviews. That needs to be the intro to the podcast, the animated intro. To so, the what podcast. do we do? We call it like, if you wanted to access archive stuff, do you call the NFLPA I don't know or how like? We even get it. Do you have to call like NFL films I, uh, and pay them a fucking some, your life savings? Some, yeah, somebody had like some NFL films clip of us. Uh, it, it was obviously like a, a clip put together where we were just murdering the ball. And it was, um, I guess it was uh, because the Chiefs played the Ravens last night. Yeah, yeah. So they probably brought it up and the comment was, can you imagine if Mahomes had this offensive line? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Which was, you know, generally considered like the best offensive line of football. So I was like, There's got to be like a vault of VHSs somewhere. Oh, oh there is. Yeah, uh, they don't trash any of that, right? No, and no NFL films, oh, like they never know when they're going to need it. And it's it's pretty amazing to go to NFL films. They were right in New Jersey, not far from my house. And so we went over to the studios a few times. It's pretty neat. That's cool. That's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of stuff. That's what, a lot of storage. John, John Gears were pre-NFL Network. So they were just hoarding and collecting all this stuff from 50s on. When did the NFL Network start? Man, I don't know. But definitely after 2010. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been more. Oh, let me Google it. I'll get back to you in five. (laughs) Oh, five hours? uh, The hilarious part is they fucking canned uh, Booger uh, McFarlane. And now they got him. And now he's at halftime with um, uh, uh, Chris Bermer. Uh, as like they they do like the halftime no thing yeah with with uh, with Chris Bremer and I'm like I was like God damn it this guy is so awful can't they just fucking Two, get rid of him? actually I'm wrong November 2003 NFL was Network. the first start of NFL Network can nice. I ask you what you search for to get to this answer yeah. <laughs> NFL whatever. Network began Dude, oh my God <laughs> I knew whatever your answer is. Luke is going to criticize it. He's going to be like... No, John and I just told him how to Google. The question (laughs) you have in your head that you would ask ask the fucking Google. Hey, what year... And and I even put hey in there. I'm like, hey, what year did the NFL Network start? 
I want Google to finish my sentence. Yeah. That's how I search. No. Have, have you ever Googled how to Google something? <laughs> how best how, to Google? Uh, how best to Google? Put in exactly what you want. Google that. <laughs> how to Google. Of course, of course, text has it wrong. Yeah. Oh, but I got me this Google. Right. He wrote me Google. Uh, I got 10 websites and a YouTube video. <laughs> oh my how God. to use Google search. <laughs> Wonder what I that feel YouTube like we could own like. that search term. Like we could probably set some no something one, up. Literally, uh, no one is searching that because everyone knows how to do it. <laughs> no, what we could do is if we you're could doing do a, it. You're we, doing it. We could do a whole podcast on how to Google, and then maybe we could be the number one search. Well, term the on first that. one is lmgtfy.com. Let me Google that for you. Let me Google that for you. I actually used to use that when people would. Yeah, I know we do. All the time we'd send oh them the link. Oh, my God. So, and it, like, they'd click it. I hate you so much. And, like, it basically Googles the same question they just asked us. I hate it you. It Googles it and gives There's them the an answer. answer to it. Is, dude, we used to send Not, that to people constantly. Oh, yeah. That, what a great customer support group we awful. run. You're awful. Uh, we people. really changed, like, the whole tone of our customer support. Before, mm -hmm. we used to, like try to offend people. Now we're like, how can we help you? How can we serve you? So we've really grown as a company. Why are you asking totally rational questions to us? Stop it. Why do you type it into Google? I don't have time for this shit. Like with the t-shirt thing, like it'll get to you when it gets to you. Like, Yeah, that was a real problem on the CrossFit football days. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. Uh, when Chelsea decides to answer her email, it'll fucking get to you. Yeah. I, 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 like, I remember as much as, much as I enjoy Chelsea. She's like, I just want to ship everything once every two weeks. And I'm like, okay, but people pay f for like one and two day shipping. The four well, yeah, approach. It'll get there in one or two days after I ship it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. They, if it, the receipt comes in, like the order comes in, I need it packaged and shipped that no. day because they want it in two days. I can't do that. I only want to do stuff. And then she's like, but I only want to check my computer once every yeah. couple of weeks. I just don't like, like it take, my computer takes a long time to, to start, and I don't like to check my email that much. You know, you can get email on the phone. Yeah, nah, I don't want email on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a huge problem. And I remember like looking at Luke and being like, "Um, okay, once again, we need these things now." No, I don't want. Uh, all right. So then she went on vacation, and we're like, "Hey, we'll have Ashley fill in." Mm -hmm. And then Ashley's been doing it. We've been, yeah. We're like, hey. Um, and Ashley checks her email once every two weeks. So it's like everything's working <laughs> out fine. <laughs> I, I, dude, I'd like, I, oh my God. We just, all you got to do, John, is change the shipping policy on the page. People will be like, how huh? Usually ships within one to 20 business days. Just ch change like the year. Just say like, it'll <laughs> be there just, within two days of the year. Like, uh, usually, usually ships. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, the amount of hate mail. Like, nice I remember sex. people were like, I was trying to get this overnighted for a, a gift, and it came four weeks later, and I'm like, what? And, uh, Did you say overnight or fortnight? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. What's a fortnight? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, and it's like, it's like you blame it on them. You're like, and what did we learn? Like, <laughs> stop giving gifts. All right? That's no. on you. That first one's on you, man. Oh, my God. Dude, that was, um, that, yeah, that was really... <laughs> 14, 14 days. You can't possibly order something and get it the next day. There's no Amazon. future in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut to uh, Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Cut Bezos to when we don't billions. get it, when we don't get something in 24 hours, I'm like, I'm fucking livid. I'm like calling people. I, you know, I'm trying to get my money back. Yeah. 
we mm-hmm. were super spoiled. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. I, well, mean, I just don't get things anymore. I'm just not going to, I've chose oh, not come to, on. what? I don't buy, buy anything, but those, those really, th- those margarita cans. <laughs> That's about it. Am I That's wrong? A problem. What? That's a problem. I've been wearing the same shorts. These shorts I have here are the athletic recon sample shorts <laughs> I got in 2014. No, they're not. They're sweatpants, the sweatpants, and I cut them into shorts. Oh, you're still wearing those? This shirt? This is one of our shirts. Those shorts don't freak. Actually, you stole that shirt from Frank. That's right. See, Frank. Uh, and then uh, this is also, like, I only take the misprints out of our batches. I like the ones with holes and, you know, like, I, I just try to keep it, keep it real. You know what I mean, John? I'm still grunge. Me and, me and Eddie Vedder. Just keep it grunge. My dad was dropping me some hints recently. He was like... Hey, did you know Power Athlete? It's got some new shirts. Pretty nice. And he like brings his phone over to me to show me the carnivore shirts. I'm like, Dad, like I'm I'm aware. I'm very familiar with what Power Athlete's putting out. And he's like, I'm just saying, you know, if I knew a guy who knew a guy, like <laughs> I'm like, all right, you know, we'll work on it. I'll he wants you shirt. to. He wants you to. Oh, she. He wants some new fresh oh. gear, huh? Yeah, he wants he he wants some gear. Yeah. Wait, Bill Because he's retired now, so he trains like six days a week. And he's does he? Does he he have, checks all the Instagram stuff. So he has oh, Instagram. These guys are hilarious. So he's an idiot. Bill so. Hin- Bill Hinsman's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bill Hinsman's on Instagram. Yeah, he is. I think we found our first Instagram influencer. Guess guess his handle. <laughs> is Bill Hinsman? Bill Hinsman. <laughs> I'm I'm John Wellborn. Uh, McQuilkin's over there. We're just squatting John, on McQuilkin. I think we got to send Bill Hinsman like a thank you pack and say For we what? well and we'll just say we'd like to invite you to be our inaugural. Instagram how influencer. Many, how many followers does Bill have? Twelve. Uh, well, yeah. I googled Bill Hinsman, and he was oh, an God. actor. He was an actor. He is. In the f- it, what, or was he a director? Are you sure he was an actor? Uh, a- a- actor, director, and not the other <laughs> way around. And not the other way around. His first. <laughs> his first role was a cemetery zombie in the popular horror film Night of the Living Dead. No way. Yeah. He reprised his role in new scenes that were filmed in the 30th anniversary edition. Hmm. And when his acting career didn't pan out, he became, uh, you know, he was career Marine. And then. So why did your dad retire from police office um, uh, as a police officer? Uh, he, I mean, I think he was just ready. It was, um, you know, it was around the time that COVID and stuff was popping off. And he just, he, he honestly, even before COVID, he had just at his age, he had reached his capacity for like tolerating nonsense. Um, just nonsense. Just he just didn't have the patience anymore. You know how like people get a little like older dudes get a little cantankerous. They're like, you know, they just they 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 yeah. can't handle other drivers. They are like upset when like you know the shopping line's not moving fast enough, like that kind of thing. Like imagine that in a police officer. That's like the last thing you want. Somebody with very little patience. So he knew when when it was time to go. And he's you know now he's he's loving life he he does he like he trains like five six days a week and he's i mean he he looks great he just feels great so i'm like good for him i'm glad he you know he did like i think eight or nine years um as a police officer after the marine corps so good for him how about that and now he's obviously like sickened with everything that's going on all the you know, all the politics and the, the social uh, stigma around police officers. So he does, he sort of, he feels for me. Yeah, he did. And he, you know, it, I think it really, he's proud of me being, um, doing police work, but he's also, he's just, 
I think he's kind of disgusted by everything that's going on. And so he's actually been encouraging me to well, maybe don't you seek think, some greener pastures. Kelly, I'm curious on that. So like yeah. on that note, we get a lot of the sound bites and I'm, I don't want to like beat a war drum on blame the media or anything like that. But I, you're obviously still in touch with like fellow law enforcement friends, I would say, you know, various districts and things like that is the tension and stigma we feel from like the, the media, whether, you know, the 24 hour news cycle or it's the um, social media or whatever like that. Is, is that a like is that the real pulse of what's going on? I think, I mean, I think that it's, it, they're reporting on things that are actually happening. That's, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fact, for instance, that like, you know, in Seattle, we're using tear gas, blast balls, that kind of stuff when we had to. Um, and then, uh, so, so, you know, those things are occurring, but what, what they're also not reporting on is the level of violence that's occurring um, and rioting and uh, damages to small businesses, major property damage, that kind of thing that has uh, dictated those decisions to be made. So I don't think that it, there's enough representation for how the how we came to the conclusions to use that, that level of force or use that level of um, you know of uh, tactics. They're making to it look like it's crowd. they're making it look like it's unprovoked that they're just totally. you know like using this against these people. That they're strong peaceful. arming. Well, that mm-hmm. that they're using these like. Uh, you know, like extremely, uh, you know, high level damaging type of, you know, like, uh, I guess you could call them non-lethal things against peaceful protesters. Right. And like, uh, and they're not showing the damage and the, like, like the level. So I, I follow a um, page on Facebook that like shows like firsthand account, uh, non-media. It's like firsthand accounts of like what's happening on the ground and like the, the amount of destruction, like, like the cops getting assaulted. Like I saw one the other day yeah. where that cop got hit in the head with a baseball bat. The, Dude the, ran up behind him and hit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hit him with that the aluminum. Seattle. Yeah. In Seattle. And like mm-hmm. the cop like fleed. And I'm thinking to myself, if you hit a cop with an aluminum baseball bat in the head, you're trying to kill him. I would say, uh, you know, like you deserve to probably at least get shot and killed. Like, like, yeah. like I, I, like I, if you're going to assault a person in that way, um, there's really like, like there's no gray area for me. Like, I'm like, Hey man, you're, you're going to assault that person. Anything that happens to you thereafter, I'm pretty okay with. So that's my, yeah, that's kind of my issue with, um, how things are being reported is that is just one of many, many assaults that got a lot of, uh, that got publicized a lot because it actually happened to be caught on video and, you know, obviously the severity of that crime, but officers are being assaulted all the time. Um, I get, so when I wake up to feed Josie at night, um, like at three in the morning or whatever, that's around the time on the West coast when the, um, peaceful protests have turned into essentially like violent riots and my friends that are on the department during their breaks um are sending me pictures of their injuries they're sending me videos of um you know civilian vehicles being uh torched uh police officer vehicles being torched there was a you know there was a a a vehicle that was broken into and a rifle was taken out of it you know that that happened quite a while ago but these things are they're still occurring and um that's my issue is that, yeah, we'll get a few sound bites that, yeah, we, you know, another one of my, my friends who was, this made national news. He was, um, uh, he had a explosive device thrown at him. He, it would struck him in the face. And so I don't know if you've seen the image, but there's a Seattle cop who was, who had a pretty significant laceration to his eye. He could have lost his sight. 
Um, you know, he has a, a new child and all this stuff and he's an excellent officer. And the, again, these are just, it's just very, a, a very small minority of these um, incidents are actually making the news. So I don't think that it's really representative of what's truly going on, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I guess that one, that that's not a shocker to me, but there's also, these are just like incident incidences of escalation, which is not like, like that's not the whole job, right? I mean, now it probably is like disproportionate is managing these with, with the level of protest and things like that. But there's also a, a level of, of being a police officer from what I understand you and talking with you is like, you're engaging with, with the community in non-escalation situations, right? Is that like, are those things still happening? Is, or is yeah. that just like, I mean, we don't have time we, for that? No. So, I mean, that's just, that's just the shame of the whole thing is that first of all, I can speak very um, bluntly on this topic and very clearly because I didn't come from a whole lineage of police work before I came to the job. I came to the job at 31, right? So I've been doing it for like five years now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not indoctrinated. I had my own perceptions of the police before I even started working in police work. And I came to it with a very mature mindset and not something like, even when I did my first ride along. So um, kind of to, to speak to what you're, you're talking about is so much of police work is not that, but because of the, 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 um, the attention that these riots need and the demonstrations need, a lot of other things are not being handled as thoroughly as maybe they should or could be. Our department is working on what's called priority status calls only. So that, you know, that's domestic violence calls, that's um, calls with a weapon, that kind of thing. But the massive, there's a massive amount of just regular police work that is unfortunately taking the, pa- the back burner because the resources all are all being allocated to this. And so, you know, where an officer might be inclined to spend a certain amount of time with a victim of a certain crime, be it a business owner, right, who was the the victim of a, a major theft or something like that, you know, you would want to come up with a plan with this business owner and kind of tell them how they can reach out to SPD to ensure that this doesn't become a habitual thing, like just things like that, right? Our, our ability to um, you know, create that bond and trust with the community is undermined just by, based on the fact that we don't have the resources and time to, to do that as we once did. And even before we were, you know, I think I mentioned to you guys in the email, we are below in, in Seattle specifically, we're below, well below the national average in terms of officer per citizen uh, ratio. And so, you know, now we're looking to uh, drop funding even more and let uh, about a hundred officers go. Um, and so, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. I mean, our role as officers not to go on this rant is so, 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 so much more than what you're seeing on TV. And it just pains me because I want to see the people that have such an issue with how we're handling, um, you know, the, the, police work now they feel like we're not handling it appropriately or there's a lot a tremendous amount of reform that needs to happen what they need to do is in your local town you need to sign up 
for uh, a ride-along. If they're taking ride-alongs, do a ride-along and then make some informed opinions on how you can then go to your city council and how you can st structure reform. You need to know what they're doing to know what they're doing wrong, if that makes sense, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you were even pretty, um, I would say, like, you went, You were on one side and went to the other, I know, because we discussed some of the stuff mm -hmm. and some of my experiences with law enforcement and, like, having done some of the, you know, ride-alongs and working with those guys. And I think you were like, ah, and then all of a sudden you were like, you were right. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a stressful deal. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I still remember on that ride along, we pulled over a dude that was like, had like multiple felony warrants and was like a known member of the drug cartel. And like the, the cop, like the dude I rolled along was like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, do we call for backup? We just let this dude go. And he's like, uh, it's going to get violent. Like, like, the, handle it. Yeah. yeah you just yeah, do the best like, you can. Yeah, you like, can't not look away. Like yeah. that's, I mean, if people, if, there's no just like turning off the lights and driving away and letting that guy that's go completely and, in it. Like that's yeah. just, that's just it. That's the nature of the job. And if you want your police department to proactively take these bad people off the street and not to, not to sit and wait for your, just your 911 call to come out. And then you have to, you can't hamstring them in a way that, that the policies don't allow you to, to, you know, when you're doing a traffic stop to in, enforce these things, like this guy's got multiple warrants, what have you, you know, you can't, and it goes back to, um, you know, just to kind of go off on another tangent, like, you know, when you are handling a situation like that and you know that you might potentially have to use force to get someone out of a car or something or they have, there's a flag on their, um, you know, you pull up their their information on the computer and there's a flag that says they're violent towards officers or they have a history of, you know, whatever, uh, being an armed criminal, that kind of thing. You know, you, you, in your mind, you're thinking of all the escalation of, okay, here's where we're going to start. Here's where we might end up. And, um, you don't want the officer to feel like they can't do their job, right? Like that it's too much of a risk for them to end up as a headline because, um, so we're just going to, so, you know, you might run a plate and it's attached to a, a dude with a, as a couple warrants, that kind of thing as an armed criminal. And you're thinking in your head, well, if I have to end up using force, this could go really South. So I'm not even going to pull this car over. You know what I mean? And so it's, it just, it's that trickle down effect where you're going to have an ineffective law enforcement. And at that point, what, what are you really like? What purpose do you serve? You know, when I hear music like this, I can't help but think about every cheesy eighties action movie ever. There's just something so great about how clearly fake every fight scene and workout montage is. And what's funny is the approach of creating sexy cut-ups of bullshit workouts with highly questionable application actually exists outside 80s movies and is more prevalent than ever. Well, like terrible 80s movies, there's so much training garbage out there to sort through these days. And while entertaining, it's scary to think that some people are actually falling for it. Think of the pyrotechnics in Commando or the over-the-top use of body oil in the movie Over the Top. Is it possible that they're trying to distract us from the completely unrealistic plotline? Kind of like a sexy-looking program with virtually no performance transfer? This is exactly why Power Athlete has been battling the bullshit for over a decade. The research, testing, and retesting that the coaches at Power Athlete HQ have done to create athletic training programs like Field Strong and Bedrock is unparalleled. We chose to further refine our templates to create Grindstone, Jack Street, Lean Enable, and Hammer because we know that specific goals require specific stimuli. Okay, here's where the shameless plug comes in. 
A lot of work goes into developing the absolute best program and user experience possible. Just ask our partners at Train Heroic, who have been with us every step of the way and are equally dedicated to empowering your performance as we are. They are relentless when it comes to ensuring that your journey to self-improvement is propelled by the absolute best technology. When you join a power athlete program on Train Heroic, the first thing you should do is take a giant sigh of relief. Seriously, because now you're in the hands of founder and 10-year NFL veteran John Wellborn and his team of world-class coaches. And for less than a dollar a day, you've just become part of a community of like-minded folks who all want the same thing, performance. And if this whole 80s movie metaphor thing makes no sense to you because you were born after 1990, simply substitute Star Wars episodes one through three. Who has the time or the patience for an all-show, no-go imposter program? Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to empower your performance today. Now back to the show. Uh, no. Just looking for easy speeders. Uh, do you remember the movie, the, the town where they uh, like go from oh, the yeah. bank robbery and they like stop the minimen, they all get out in the mass with the guns and the money and they look over and there's like a cop across the street. He yeah. like looks at them and they all kind yep. of freeze for like a big, like two or three seconds. And then the cop just looks forward and they like torch the van and take off running. I mean, like that's a situation where that cop's like, I'm probably about to die. And uh, I'm just going to look forward and hopefully I don't get killed in this whole thing. And those dudes, you know, like that's a, uh, I mean, you have to remember, and and I think the other thing, too, which um, feels a little unfair, is uh, police are just humans. Like, they're just making the best choice they can with the best, uh, uh, you know, like, with the information they're presented. And like I've said on this podcast, like, I remember my dad telling me, um, you know, the closest you'll ever be to dying is at a traffic stop. And I asked him why, and he's like, you're a big dude. He's like, cops are nervous. Like, they're like, believe me, like, uh, if if it's their life or yours, they're going to take yours. Like, don't do anything stupid. Just get the ticket and get away as, as possible because he's like, you know, this stuff happens. And the amount, yeah. of, the amount of times he saw people that he knew die at tra- merely at traffic stops was pretty good. And I remember him being like, say yes or no, sir. Don't argue. Keep, you know, we went through this whole thing. And he's like, you have one job when you have an interaction with the law enforcement to get away. And he's like, if you get a ticket, we'll fix it. We'll find it. We'll, we'll pay it. We'll do whatever we need to. The only thing I can't do is undead you. And, uh, you know, and like, not that like, you know, I have to be fearful. These guys are going to kill me, but I also have to remember, he's like, think about the amount of people that these cops deal with on a daily basis. Like that's their level of every person they have to treat. And he's like, your job is just to get away. And like, I, you know, as we've known a ton of law enforcement guys, and we have a lot of people within that, that follow our programs. Like at the end of the day, these guys have one responsibility, which will go back to Kevin Costner and the untouchables go home alive at the end of your shift. And that's, I think what these guys Mm -hmm. are trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about traffic stops, just to speak to that, is they can go so bad so quickly for a myriad of reasons. You know, you have a you have a and they do. I mean, if you if you look at a lot of uh, officer shoot officer involved shootings, people carry guns in their car. They do. And so we're always you know, you're always training to that that um, that degree of uh, severity or that that potential level of force. And, um, it's so that you, you do go home alive. Right. But, um, but that's not to say, I mean, I've done lots of traffic stops to, to be fair in Seattle, we don't do a ton. Like I don't do a ton of traffic because I particularly work downtown and at night. So I'm really just stopping people if I think it's a DUI. Um, and a lot of times during the day, there's not a ton of traffic stops going on downtown because you're not trying to jam up traffic. There's not, you know, unless you see something like super egregious, you know, but 
But it's it, when you have when you have a traffic stop, like a dude go- drifting a 2006 E350 yeah, van. Like that? Oh, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yes, like um, I don't know, like some some stuff, some poor driving I've seen. Uh, but but uh, so the other thing too is like much like when you enter someone's home, someone's vehicle is their own domain. They know their way around it. They know what's inside of it. They know. Um, you know, in a, in an instant, they can, if you were to, to reach into the car to open the door and you were going to make an arrest for something or whatever, they can put that, that thing and drive and drag you, you know, they they can reverse. We've had like officers almost run over. Um, you know, we've had bicycle officers hit by vehicles. So, you know, you're, you're looking at an actual, this, these are things that happen and they're not reported. Like you don't read them in the newspaper all the time, but I can, I can tell you, like I've had, um, I've had people like I've, I've had to like pursue and I've had people turn their car around and like try to get away from me, just drive straight at me. Um, I, it, there's just crazy shit that happens. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, traffic stops are a extremely dynamic, uh, thing. There's so many, and like I said, it's the same as if you go to someone's house, you want to, even though they're in their safe spot where they know where everything is, you want to try to control that situation. So you're not letting them walk around and go through drawers and say, well, I just want to get a soda out of the fridge. You know, you might say, well, I'm going to get an officer to get the soda for you, that kind of thing. Like you, you want to be in control of as many of those variables that you don't know about as possible. Lots of guns in the refrigerator in the freezer. <laughs> you know how many times I've been over to people's house and finally got ice and found seen guns in, the, in the freezer? Maybe really? I said weird friends, but yeah, all the yeah, time. You that's do. like a, you do. that's a standard one is a gun in the freezer. Hold on. Let me get some ice, open that door and then get shot. Like that's, that's pretty standard. Cold, yeah. It's cold steel in there. Well, n- <laughs> nobody ever thinks about a gun in the freezer or a gun in the shower. No, no. Um, but yeah, so that's just, the, that's just some examples of, you know, the, the traffic stop thing. Yeah, there is some truth to that. But the, if you, I mean, if you do, if you even just search, like if you were to Google or text, if you had someone else Google it for you, um, you could just go on and look at a ton of traffic stops that go so south. And it's just people just come out of their cars. And I mean, we, you watch them in the academy because they're one of the most dangerous situations. People just come out of the car as soon as... As soon as they have the opportunity, it, it seems crazy you. to me. I mean, like the, uh, like, like I, I'm, I'm always uh, amazed at people's willingness to like fall on the sword with things. Like, okay, like, and, and I maybe this comes from just being about, uh, you know, family of uh, defense attorneys, where like people get pulled over for crimes, they get arrested, and then they should have their, you know, their day in court. They should be, you know, brought to, brought in and then tried for something. Like trying to somehow fight and like prove you're right or wrong or argue your way out of it at like, I mean, that's not the job. That's not the, the police officer's job to like administer uh, whether, you know, right or wrong. Like they, they observe a crime, they make a, an arrest or they make, they write a ticket, whatever. Right. It's my day in court, the way this thing works, like within the legal system, you hire a lawyer, you go and do whatever. I'm amazed at people's willingness to fall on the sword at that moment. That's not even a fucking like, like the end game of this thing. Like if I get pulled right. over for a ticket, um, I can either accept it or I can go to court. Okay. I go to court and fight it. I might win. I might lose whatever it is. Like the cops is making an observation. Like here's like an observance of a crime. I'm making an arrest or I'm writing a ticket. Now I have my day in court and I'm just amazed at people's ability to fall on the sword with this thing. It's like, shit, dude, right. this isn't the way our thing works. Like people fighting and like shooting. I mean, unless you're like a convicted felon where, you know, I'm going to the jail for the rest of my fucking life. Mm-hmm. All I can do is make this situation worse. Right. Well, I mean, again, like I said, we don't do I I don't do a ton of traffic stops and to speak to like 
it, it goes to another thing, which is every department's so different. Some departments almost only do traffic stops because there's nothing else going on, right? But in like downtown Seattle, you have 911 calls all night, all night long. So you might have a situation where, um, you know, you have a, a somebody who's violated a, a no contact order because of some previous domestic violence. So you show up, you're there to find that person to make the arrest. It's there's no question whatsoever. Like you said, John, I'm there to make the arrest. It's it's extremely like, you know, there's there's no gray area there. No, it's I have to make white. the arrest. And so you go, and um, when you are in a situation like that, it's a little bit more severe because somebody who's already had like a no contact order um, placed on them, they've already had their day in court. They know the uh, the ramifications if they are to violate it, that they're looking at serious jail time. Well, you know, it, you never know in Seattle, but th you're, they're looking at um, a, a much greater consequence. And so that's where you you sort of see that desperation kick in and the police officer then becomes that front line of taking the brunt of um, I'm not going back to jail or I, you know, whatever. Or, you know, a lot of them, they have weapons on them and they don't want you to find it. So when you make the arrest and you do a search or you find a drug on them or a weapon on them, that's, you know, an additional charge. And then they know they're really fucked. So that's where the desperation kicks in. And then they start to, you know, they, they start to run, fight, whatever it is that they want to do. Do you, do you think that the system is, um, I mean, cause the way our legal system set up is based off of this, uh, Anglo Christian kind of idea of like, uh, you know, and whether or not it's, it's within those values, but, uh, the idea of like freedom as the ultimate, like high bar for this thing. Like I'm going to live a decent life. I'm going to work. I'm going to do these things so I can maintain my freedom. When I start going and committing these crimes, there has to be a deterrent. Like, uh, if I do X, I will lose my freedom. And all of a sudden when it becomes a situation where like, I no longer care or the, the carrot of the crime is greater than me losing my freedom or potentially my life, then all of a sudden we look at like a huge breakdown of this thing because it's based off of this idea of like, if you do something bad, you're going to go to jail. But what if jail's not a deterrent? What if like, uh, I might potentially die or get in a shootout with these cops, but you know what, like that's better than, you know, going back to jail. And it's more importantly, it's, uh, I don't care about my freedom. So the problem is like, like not that, you know, we're going to go and drunk drive or commit a bunch of crimes just because it doesn't fit within w who we are and what we're trying to do. But if there's like, I mean, and, and I, I would venture to say the like the reason that we're not committing crimes isn't because we don't want to go to jail. It's because that's not the life I live. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm not out dealing drugs because like, well, I would deal drugs, but I'd get caught and go to jail. That's not the deterrent for us. Like, so I'm, I'm just always kind of fascinated with like the legal system. And I remember asking my dad this question, like, like, where did the breakdown happen? Like, where did, like, the idea of, like, punishment or potentially dying in these kind of situations, when did the reward on top of or the criminal act that I wanted to commit become a greater, uh, like, magnet than those things as a deterrent? Because if jails aren't necessarily a deterrent or getting arrested or going to the legal system or doing this as the deterrent, it, it, it's not working. Like, people are riding in the streets uh, and these things are happening. People are dying. This whole thing. It's not a deterrent for, to stop people from going out there. Like, Hey, if I go put on this black hoodie and go throw a homemade Molotov cocktail at a cop, I'm probably going to die. Fuck it. Let's go die. Like, that's like, that's where I kind of lose sight. And I'm like, man, I can't 
Like I would always think, and this is something that I see with lifting weights all the time, and I'll use an analogy. I'm always amazed at people's willingness to put themselves in an awful situation where they fucking might have great bodily harm. Like I got 500 pounds on my back and I'm going to ditch this bar over the top of my head and particularly fucking kill myself. Like I see stuff like that constantly. And I'm always going to things like my first you know, deal is how do I exit this? How do I survive? And like, I always think that like personal security or like personal safety should be people's number one concern. Like, like, you know, like hunter safety, if we go hunting, I'm not going to set you up in a fucking blind directly across from me where if I fucking, you know, ricochet a shot or miss a shot that you catch it in the chest. Like that just doesn't seem smart. Like we'll create interlocking fields of fire. We're not directly in somebody's path. Um, you know, just like, hey, like, yeah. uh, it, 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 does that I make think sense? It's, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. But is I it drugs? It's, is it, uh, it's, it's, or it, is it socioeconomic so much, breakdown? It's it's both of those things. I was going to comment to both of those. I think it's so much more complicated than, than you know, I, I, I get we're trying to figure out, like, if this, then that. But I think it's so much more complicated. I think it is drugs. I think it is sort of being a part, being in and out of jail, and that just becoming, like, commonplace and that, you know, I have nothing less left to lose that kind of thing and then um but yeah i think um some of its mental illness right so the inability to to create like logic and rational make rational decisions and and foresee the um the outcome so you know some people know that that being arrested is not the end all be all like hey like dude you're, you're probably going to get out tomorrow morning but some people don't have that rational and they you know they the police are synonymous with you know that's this is just like the, a tragic thing that's going to occur. And it's, um, and so people aren't able to logically think through, okay, well, you know, I had even, you know, imagine you arrest someone for a DUI, they fight you. They would have been released like the next morning, but because they're drunk or high or whatever, you know, then it's like, it's on that type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's a pretty complicated, um, combination of things. Yeah. But I mean, uh, we've gotten to a point where the loss of your freedom is no longer a deterrent for crime. For some populations. Well, for, for some I, populations. I, I, but I mean, for, for some, but it feels like, I mean, in Seattle, people are out there riding the streets, attacking the police and feel that they're fighting some like, you know, war that they want to, you know, fall on the sword on but uh, to be, against some like, I mean, because here, here's the thing. And I think there's a good distinction. Um, you know, the idea of like, you know, living in a communist state and tyranny and all that, like they come scoop up people that aren't doing anything. Like, uh, you know, like no cop is knocking on my door just to check to see what's going on at my house. Like, like a lot of these crimes are happening because somebody's calling them. Something's happening that's bringing them to it. Like, it's not as if these just cops are knocking on the door, kicking in doors. Like, oh, this peaceful family, let me blast them. I mean, it, it feels like like uh, um, the deterrent, which should be, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to live a good life because I don't want to be involved in this fucking deal. But yet now people are just casting in stones and being like, you know what? I'm willing to go out and, and, and take part in this. And if I lose my freedom, my life, then that's an acceptable loss, which feels like against human nature, which is personal survival. Like we said, with lifting weights, like if I'm going to do this and potentially die, I'm probably not going to do that. Well, I think in, in Seattle too, I mean, um, the, tr just the fact of the matter is certain crimes just don't hold the accountability that they used to. So there, it's not even a fear. It's not a, it's, it's, you know, there's just not a fear of, uh, of things being enforced, you know? So, um, there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of drug use that's decriminalized and now, um, 
the, the kind of the big thing was when they were they were passing some of this new legislation the city council wanted amnesty for the people that had been arrested for acts during um during the protest so if you were arrested for certain things like vandalism or um potentially some minor assaults that kind of thing they were uh, they wanted that that to be part of the criteria for the new legislation. It's all, all those protesters who were arrested would receive amnesty from the city, which I, I think is, you know, if that doesn't send the message it's that it's abysmal, it's atrocious. Yeah. So that, I mean, again, that's, that's just, um, that adds a new, uh, let's, that's a new little well, what, new flavor in there. Of What's the, uh, like the city council and the people that are the elected leaders in Seattle, like what's the end game solution on this? Like, I mean, do they think like, I mean, uh, they should, that's a great question. I, I mean, like they've seen that less police force doesn't work. I mean, the, uh, some of the, you know, I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what the end game, and I, I think a lot of times maybe this, I mean, I know this definitely comes back from like uh, being a rhetoric major in college, like a big part of our deal was like, hey, if you're going to read or you're going to argue this side and you have to argue against somebody, you have to have some uh, empathy to understand their position. So you have to be able to put your mind in the other person you're arguing against and then be able to argue their point. And if you can effectively argue their point, then you can bulletproof yours. So I think with a lot of this stuff, I hear it and I'm like, I can't even like put my mind in the, or I can't even put myself in their mind to understand what their end, end game is. And Luke's heard me say this numerous times. I think what's happening is there's a major game on the board and we don't know all the pieces. And I'm like, what, what is the intended outcome? Like, what are you trying to get to? Show me at least a picture or an understanding of what you imagine the outcome of this will be in a positive light. Because the, the, all that you're doing is creating this escape from L.A., escape from New York. I mean, we're going to have Snake Plissken come into Seattle any day now. I mean, the, yeah, the, you can't have an end game too without bringing all of the integral players to the table, right? So, you know, making these decisions without the the knowledge and the expertise of these people who are career law enforcement um, is totally discrediting the, their um, their years of experience. And uh, I think that not only is it just kind of on a human level, just disrespectful. Anybody, you know. You, you, but it's also just, it's also extremely disheartening because it, um, it's very symbolic of, uh, of what's going on there. It's just, um, you know, it, it's, a it's a very one-sided short-sighted view of how to, how to make change happen. And it's really difficult to think these people that some of the people in leadership positions are, are really truly believing that this is going to be effective without bringing to the table the expertise of the police force who have been, you know, meeting the demands of the city for eons, right? So, and they're not willing to have conversations with the police department, which is why. Yeah, did our, your chief, chief quit? Left. Yeah, yeah, uh, she did because the one of their first um, acts of business too was, you know, they would they refused to hold meetings with her. Um, only the mayor would hold meetings with her, and. Um, and she, they came to this legislation, and one of the things that they did immediately was cut her salary um, tremendously. I, you know, I can't—I don't know the exact number, but it was a, 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 like a very significant salary reduction. And so she was just like, you know, you're not willing to talk with me. You want me to lay off a hundred of my own officers, and um, you're—you you don't have a long-term plan. And it's really—it's just a scary environment to sort of be at the helm of that. And she just didn't want to be in the shoes of somebody who was being forced to, to lay off officers, um, without, you know, without, you know, appropriate, um, reasoning behind it. And the question on the, the structure of the, the leadership on the police end, 
is was she an elected official like small county we would no. yeah or is she no. just she's internally up? promoted yeah by yeah. So the then, city council so then her by the mayor person underneath now has to take on this big ass challenge or are they going to hire externally the deputy chief is considered the interim chief for now and he you know bless his heart he's you know taking on a almost feels like an insurmountable position but um yeah they're eventually what they'll do is try to hire a chief but it's going to be so difficult to get a quality very fair and balanced um, chief to come into Seattle. Um, it, you know, you could you could potentially there are actually like potentially extremely left wing uh, chiefs that that could apply for that position if you can believe it. But um, that you know that obviously would be another morale uh, ding for all the officers if that were to occur. And um, what the last do you, thing, what do you think would uh, what would have to happen to swing swing the pendulum back? Um, to, to, to like some, like, uh, you know, obviously Seattle is what you consider super liberal. Um, I don't, I mean, what's, what's pretty amazing is like the, uh, I, I don't know if there's ever been a positive outcome when there's a, I, I guess there is, I mean, there was a few case studies where they reduced law enforcement and they put like some, uh, you know, social workers into different roles for some other things, but for the most part, like, uh, more cops in the street tends to have less crime. I mean, it's kind of a one-to-one. I've never seen a situation where crime went down when they removed law enforcement. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, when you say, like, what needs to happen, dot, 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 it's like, what needs to happen for, what, the community to trust us again, to put the money back into it, to um, sort of, like, not use us as what I would view as potentially a scapegoat for things that are happening in other departments. I mean, I think other, I mentioned earlier, like departments are as bearing and different in terms of policy, uh, demographic, um, just everything like as a small business, right? So if you go to like, you could have a gym that's like on it, or you could have a tiny rink ink hole in the wall gym, right? That's almost like police departments. They're, they're, they're their own entity. So to kind of group um, officers nationally into certain, um, I guess, uh, stereotypes is is just unfair. We have one of like the most robust um, accountability system uh, dictated by when the um, Department of Justice came in to do what's called a consent decree with our city. And we passed with flying colors. Um, so in, in when I think about what needs to happen for um, the city to kind of rally behind officers at this point in time, it's not, um, it's not a positive thing. What I'm thinking needs to happen. What I think could potentially occur to get people to stand behind officers is, and again, this is not something that I want to happen, but if there were like some sort of mass shooting or some sort of major event where officers responded, did their job and people finally, you know, it was so publicized where you could see like, hey, obviously we are an entity that's needed. We're, you know, even people who don't like us, hey, this is a very necessary part of a functioning society to respond to, you know, people who who, um, who commit heinous acts. Um, if that If that's what we are viewed as, kind of the hammer in that way, I think that's how we're viewed anyway. So if, if something like that has to happen for us to be held, it's only a matter of time, right? Before something like that happens, then, then 
you know, that's that might be what it takes. The problem is, unfortunately, is that people don't see that the majority, the vast majority of the 911 calls we take have nothing to do with anything like that. We are truly the most patient, like I've seen the most patient, um, uh, kind, um, things going, officers going well out of their way to handle terrible like situations, things that do not fall under our job description, if there is a job description. And, um, you know, none of those things are, are being held as to what off there. None of those things are currently representative of what officers do, even though that's the vast majority of our job, picking people up off the ground who are covered in their own feces and taking them home. Um, well, you know, because if, if the deal and Luke brought it up with the 24 hour news cycle right now, we have a 24 hour news cycle and all this stuff that goes right to this little device. And you have all these different outlets that are fighting for mm-hmm. our attention and unfortunately, as humans, we only pay attention to the most grotesque and the worst things. So then they figured out that the most polarizing, the ugliest, uh, you know, most, um, you know, just graphic type shit, like, uh, like that's what sells. That's what people are, are tuned into. I, I mean, you know, like a, a bunch of feel good stories about, you know, law enforcement doing a good job. They know, I mean, which is realistically happens probably much more than, than the other stuff they know doesn't sell in terms of a, a 24 hour news cycle. So what they've right. effectively done is they polarized it in such a way because they have to fight for clicks and us as humans only want to see the fucking train wrecking and we only want to see the worst. And, um, and so that it's, so that becomes the new reality of that. That is, that is the existence of police officers and that is what we do. Right. So it is, um, you know, we're, we're perceived, I think as, you know, um, this just sort of a, like boot wherein like, you know, gun toting. And that is so far from it, you know, and it, it just is extremely disturbing because one of the most, um, and this is where it gets tough for me is one of the most compassionate, patient, knowledgeable, um, incredible people I've, I've ever known it happens to be a black guy that I work with an officer and he has uh, over 10 years experience. And now he's leaving our department for another department because of everything that's going on. And that's a perfect example of, you know, the city would want representative representative people of different minorities out there doing the good police work, being excellent, patient, you know, great com- communication skills, great rapport with the community, and he's leaving. And it's like, this you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot from all of these, um, from, from the lack of support from the city and all of the, and the media is just as much to blame because you're personifying us in a way that is, is not truly who we are. And you're going to have officers leaving certain departments or leaving the line of work in general. And then what do you have? Then you really do have the random dude from high school who has a chip on his shoulder or whatever is like, you know, um, that is the minority, but you have all these great officers leaving and that, and that's just, uh, you know, that's something that pulls at my heartstrings a little bit because it's like, now I don't get to work with this guy, number one. And number two, our community is now has this huge void of somebody where they can look to him. I can't tell you the number of calls I've been on where they say, I'm not talking to you, but I'll talk to him, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, that's fine. I would just want you to talk. I don't care who you talk to. I just want to, we just want to solve a problem. Right. And now you don't, now you don't have someone who looks like them, who, you know, they feel they can level with that kind of thing. And so, so fuck like, and he's a great dude and I felt safe with him. And, you know, I felt like he really knew how to do his job. And now it's like, now I just, 
I just did uh, a recommendation for him. So sad shit. I guess one thing that we, we never dipped into, Kelly, maybe you can read us in on is even in the short term, you know, you had mentioned there's no real, you, you don't perceive there to be a long-term solution with a lot of the extreme mandates that are coming in from leadership. Like what, what's, whether or not it's rational, like what, what's the vision? What's the vision with, uh, reducing police force in such a significant magnitude and I guess peeling back a lot of the authority, um, in yeah. like the most, I guess the most pragmatic and unbiased way, which is going to be hard obviously, sure. but I'm curious. No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for reform as well. I mean, you can continue to sharpen any, uh, any tool to, to make it better. And the police police force is a, is a tool. Um, and the vision currently is, um, the thought is if we, if we let some officers go, we're going to, it's, it's mainly a funding thing, right? Like they, the whole defunding police is that they're going to reallocate that money to, um, specifically in Seattle to speak to Seattle is to, um, put around, I think the number is $4 million. Uh, it could be more than that at this point towards, uh, housing the homeless, creating new, um, uh, buildings and, um, well, they call them, I think they call them house houseless now. Um, but it's, it's, it's essentially to, to put that money straight into the community, right. To provide shelter, put that money straight into the community and offer, and there, the specifics are laid out. And in fact, I could probably even pull it up, but the specifics are laid out as to what the plan is, but it all has to do with putting the money back into the community and, um, Unfortunately, like that means, you know, getting ready of officers, uh, decreasing training and all that kind of stuff. And look, I get it. They're, they're scraping and trying, like we're, we're having, um, you know, the, the biggest financial crisis in our city since the great depression. So it's, uh, there, this happens to be a, a very, um, I think they feel a very appropriate poll to pull, to pull from the, the, the police department, but yeah, that's essentially, uh, where they hope to put the money and it's, you know, the, the police department just happens to be kind of that, that resource right now, because I think it's becoming more in vogue to use them as that, um, scapegoat kind of. So, so it's become um, fashionable to blame the police for all your woes. I mean, I, I think that there are there are police officers that are to blame for incidents that obviously have been well publicized and they have made poor decisions and um, we should hold those people accountable, but not in an entire profession. Well, that's we're the also, long and the short of it. We're also reaping what we've sowed in the past. So, I mean, like, as I was thinking back, like, you know, one of Ronald Reagan's biggest things was he defunded all of like the, um, uh, like kind of like mental health kind of, uh, uh, these institutes where they, you know, a lot of these people that were mentally ill and had problems would go mm -hmm. and went into this like idea that we're going to fund outpatient stuff so we don't have to house them. And the problem is they never showed up to the outpatient and I don't even know if they ever funded it, but I know the Republicans had a big deal where they shut that down. You go back before that and you got Richard Nixon's, uh, you know, war on drugs and, you know, the criminalization of drugs and making it these felony type of deals. So you have like those two things set in place. Um, I would bet, and I mean, you could probably give me a more accurate number. How many of the people that you run into that are homeless or houseless, as they're calling them now, um, have some form of mental issue, either associated with, you know, schizophrenia or whatnot, but either whether it be drug induced or, you know, from some other reason? 
Oh, I mean, it, particularly working at night, um, th those folks, let's just say they hold night hours. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge majority. I would say that um, whether it's drug or uh, mental health induced or, um, you know, I don't know if you guys are aware that uh, like longstanding drug use. Oh, yeah. At least it, a mental it can, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it provokes it, things like schizophrenia and stuff. So it can sure. um, it can be the catalyst for a lot of mental health issues that then become, um, you know, persistent, even if the person were to get clean. Especially right? so, especially drug use in um, like uh, like pre at like in, in adolescence and also like that. Like I remember um, my brother has a case that was just on uh, Dateline. It was a professional baseball player killed his mom, um, the dad, the granddad or the, the uncle and like a guy in Orange County with a baseball bat. And uh, the guy had all this, you know, these had all this mental illness and they attributed it to the psychiatrist came in and said that, you know, drugs uh, like heavy drug use at like the formidable age, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere between like 12 and 16, 18 years old, where your brain brain is still forming can result in people that have a pre-existing potential pre-existing condition underneath right. the, a dormant yeah. kind of condition. Right. Yeah. It, is, it becomes this, the, mm -hmm. yeah. so yeah, definitely. And there, the, so I would say the, the majority, vast majority. So, I mean, somewhere probably around 80%, I would say are, uh, these are either drug induced crimes, mental health issues or combination. And then you just have sort of like your 20% of what I would consider, you know, that these, um, Sort of like, yeah, opportunity or, or, yeah. or just like rapidly developing like fights between um, spouses or just the, the random other there's, a you know, obviously a ton, ton of different crimes that occur that don't really fall into those categories. But but yeah, it's it's the, the vast majority. And, um, you know, for me, it has uh, been um, incredible to witness like human behavior on that level. Um and it's been fascinating because I didn't know that kind of thing existed. Um, and I didn't know that people can act demonic or they can, um, you know, cause self-harm without feeling it. Like, um, people can do some of the most insane things that I've ever seen. And so it has been interesting to see that and very eye-opening, but I don't think, uh, none of that stuff is, is widely publicized. I, I should probably write a book, but none of that stuff is known to the general public, partly because, you know, a lot of what I experience is at night after a day's you days, a day long drug use type thing. And so it sort of reaches this Zenith in the evening. And then, um, just, it's just for some strange reason, like how could someone not want to know that all this crazy shit's going on? It's well, fascinating. It's, it's part of the moon. So people, uh, yeah. you know, like, um, I, I remember, uh, you know, my parents always tell me nothing good happens after midnight. And I'm like, no, right. everything good happens after midnight. Yeah. But like that, I mean, it's like, interesting. Like I've, I've, I've always asked my brother and I, I didn't ask my dad this, but I asked Eddie, I'm like, what, uh, like of these crimes that happen, how many of them happen in the daylight? And he's like, only after like some form of weird binge, like early morning kind of daylight type of stuff. But he's like, right. it's rare to have a crime like that in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, you know? it's, I mean, and that's not to take, you know, anybody who works day shift is probably like, shut the fuck up, Kelly. But there are definitely crazy shit that there's crazy shit that happens all day long. Right. But it, I think you would say that uh, your average officer and police in Seattle if they end up switching to nights it's because they're tired of taking um, like shoplift calls and that kind of thing. So, so would you say that maybe um, while I'm not advocating for the defunding of the police, I think it's insanity, but there should be some either state or federal funding 
kind of to, to go back in time and create places, either hospitals or something for these people to go to, because uh, they shouldn't be living on the streets. I mean, uh, as you've seen, they're not mentally fit to actually live in society the way that we, you know, off of our kind of, uh, I guess you could say like value system, the way we view it. And I really think that like, you know, putting those people on the street is just putting them into this, like, uh, I guess like, uh, like opportunity of crime. So like, yeah, the question, yeah, the question is who, who's putting who anywhere. I mean, there, the, there's resources have been offered to people. And if you're talking about taking people on an involuntary basis, we do that throughout the night. And there is a, a only, there's only a certain amount of hold period that you can hold sure. them into at the hospital or whatever. So, um, so if you have a mentally ill person, uh, who, is also a drug addict, which is those two things often go hand in hand. Um, they're not going to voluntarily go to a state hospital and receive treatment. They're going to continue to lead the lifestyle at which they're accustomed or addicted to. And, um, and so you, you sort of, you sort of have to think about, are we willing to then take away these, this sort of freedom, this volition just to, um, to get these people the, the help they need, um, well, you know, we'd like to say yes, but well, at what point do we lose we, that self-freedom? Uh, my, my friends in Seattle like to joke with me because I had like one of the most well-timed pregnancies uh, ever. Um, you know, I, I almost became... Almost too well-timed. Yeah. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was, I was just starting light duty and then they had me working from home because someone in like an adjacent office got COVID and it was just, you know, the hysteria was kind of like peaking in Seattle around that time. So anyway, I, um, I ended up, uh, working from home during that time and then eventually getting permission since I was working remotely, um, to come out to the East coast to be with my husband during this time. Um, I think, thank God for that. I mean, I can't like thank my chain of command enough for allowing me to do that. Um, and then obviously the, the, um, all this, uh, social reform has, that's been occurring as a result of the George Floyd incident. So that all happened. Um, so, you know, I, I just can't say enough good things about the people that are actually on the front line, the officers that are actually there doing the work day in and day out. I won't say specifically like the people that I've talked to, but I have done my best to reach out to them, but they deserve much more than much more credit than I could possibly give them. I mean, these officers mentally, physically, emotionally are completely drained. Um, if I could be there and be with them and help support I would love to do that. You know, they tell me like, Hey, like there's, you're, you should be glad you're not here. Don't come back type <laughs> type thing, but I can't give them enough credit. It's just, um, they've broke down in tears, uh, men, women alike to me. And, um, they feel, um, they feel like their life's work. And the only thing that they ever wanted to do with their life, helping people, um, and, uh, getting people out of bad situations, doing, just doing, just doing their job and doing it really well. They feel like it's all just been, um, for not, and that, um, that they are, they're, you know, they're sort of lost and they're wondering if, uh, if they're going to be targeted, um, uh, an act of violence, you know, like things that have occurred in Houston where you get someone who shows up in, in your, um, parking lot, the officer's parking lot and then just open fires on officers arbitrarily, just randomly. Yeah. That happened um, in LA when that guy rolled up on those two cops that were sitting exactly. in that car. Yeah. And so these are real, these are real concerns. And I just, um, 
you know, I don't, I doubt anyone I work with even listens to this podcast. Although some say they do, but I just want to, I can't give them enough credit. And I, I feel a tremendous amount of guilt not being there, but I know, I know that those officers, if there are any, if there's any city that can, um, you know, keep their cool under this type of environment, it's the people that I work with because some of them are former lawyers some of them are former teachers. A lot of them came to police work after having like a whole life, having kids. They're patient, hardworking individuals. And, um, you know, I just can't give them enough credit. It's probably it's a like, thankless job. Yeah. I don't know this. I don't mean this to sound derogatory, Callie, but like sincerely curious, like why not fucking smoke bomb and get out? Like, yeah, get out. I understand the, the, the pride and the connection to the gig, but like, I also feel that Kevin Costner, Untouchables, you 100% have obligation to the job, to the team members, and to the city because that's what the oath you, you took, right? But then, like, there is this just escalating risk with this this madness and mob mentality that's just polluting everybody's minds, right? Like, you're well, putting I'm, your family in risk, right? So, like, totally. get, get out of it. You're forgetting the most are. important Kevin Costner part in The Untouchables when he's like, he brings a knife, you bring a gun. He brings a gun, you you know, like the bad, he's like, like, that's these, the Chicago way. Yeah, and like, like, that kind of, like, like, like the escalation that, of yeah. force. They have no ability to escalate force. Right, Like, right. these dudes are fucking throwing Molotov cocktails and bricks at these dudes, and they're just standing there, like, yeah. trying to, like, block dudes with their bicycles. And I'm like, really? You guys are doing crowd control with bicycles mm -hmm. because they won't give you fucking batons and shields? And I guess I'm not naive like, enough. unbelievable. I'm not naive enough to believe that all protesters are bad, all cops are good, that all this thing is in this, like, yeah. clear, compartmentalized, good, bad deal. There's a lot of shades of gray. Innocent people get lumped in with this stuff. Guilty people get perceived as innocent. Like, it all is very, very cloudy. It's but dynamic. at the same time, like, if... I guess maybe the, because then then what do you do, right? Like, I, I'm not, I know it's not a simple decision, but that has to be something that would be festering oh, it for, it, for some yeah, of these folks. And, and, and the thing is, uh, these sort of, uh, these sort of social changes, they, and, and the, the feeling of um, the, the community's relationship with police officers, that tends to undulate over time and it goes through highs and lows. But this is by far, uh, according to everybody who's been on the department a really, really long time, this is by far like a, an extremely ultimate low. I mean, I check my email every day and um, there's orders that come out um, virtually every day that are like significant incident reports and significant like orders to hold shifts over to bring in um more officers to respond to uh riots and things like that it's like almost daily it's insane um and so a lot of these officers are getting to their breaking point and quite frankly a lot of them are leaving um a lot of the people i just caught up with a friend recently and he told me of uh, like three or four officers that again, worked just on my watch, on my shift, who have since left and have been gone now for almost a month and that kind of thing. So a lot of them are leaving departments, but they're, you know, they're kind of, um, they're kind of, uh, they're exploring their options as best as possible, but a lot of them have to stay in police work because their only prior experience, work experience is like military or that kind of thing. And so um, they feel a little bit confined in terms of what they can can do. But, um, but absolutely. I mean, you look at someone like Lexi and uh, who you guys know, well, who's my partner and she's a, she's a bike officer and, um, she's worked, um, with a special, like some interesting task forces recently and that kind of thing. 
I, I don't, I don't know where her, uh, will to stay necessarily comes from. Cause I know personally what she's had to deal with day in and day out. And, um, I know the toll that it's taken on her. And, uh, I think that she's, she's an extremely tough individual. And I think what she's thinking is kind of what I'm thinking in a lot of ways. Granted, I haven't been there to experience this, but I have been, um, the recipient of a lot of, um, I've gone to a lot of protests and had to deal with a lot of crowd control type stuff that's similar. But um, the the game you play in your head is is you try to think of the selfish reasons why you would stay. The amount of work and effort you've put into creating a reputation for yourself, um, the uh, the the friends that you've made, um, the training that you've received that is applicable to SPD, and so you you kind of you try to think, okay, well, how can I soak up as much as possible in this environment until there's nothing else I can wring out of this wash rag. Right. And so I think for someone like Lexi, for instance, you know, she's just kind of like, I haven't wrung out the wash rag all the way. She's still able to attend like specialty trainings and that kind of thing. So she's like, you know what, if they're, if I can keep gaining experience right now, I can still kind of tolerate, but, um, that we all know everybody has their breaking point. So, yeah, and I guess as I was kind of thinking about it, I was imagining like an organized cohort, like a, a kind of a mass exodus, not like one at a time, that's, people uh, like ringing the bell, you know, cause that's kind of what it, it would, I imagine it would feel like is like that's at, illegal. At Bud's <laughs> having to like be the one, but if everyone's just like, you know, send, send out a back channel email, don't CC the, the, the boss and be like, Hey, we're not going in today. I'm too mm, tired. Yeah. That, well, I mean, depending on how that was enacted, that's right, illegal right. and with our union. So, I mean, it's just, um, yeah. I mean, what you, what you're seeing is a very informal disorganized version of exactly that though. You're having a lot of people leave the department and my buddy who I spoke of earlier, who right. just happens to be a black guy and a great officer. He's just one of many minority officers that are leaving and like, it's just, you know, you sort of scratch your head and think like, this is totally backfiring, this whole situation. Well, I mean, the fact that the chief was, a, a, you know, a black woman. Right. Um, you know, I mean, in, in terms of like what Seattle's looking for, I mean, right. uh, minority, female minority really fits the bill. And the fact that they were raking her over the coals and not allowing her to do her job. Like, who's looking at that and being like, uh, I'm not a black woman. Um, I'm probably not going to take that job. Or more importantly, I'm probably not. I mean, like, I, I don't know who they're necessarily looking for for a replacement. But eventually what will happen is it'll be a you know, death of a thousand paper cuts where just mm -hmm. enough people don't show up that they can't organize their job anymore. And then what? Then you know what they should do? They should badge up all the city council people and send them out. They yeah. should. I mean, the problem is, is they're making decisions based off of this ideological ivory tower. And I think you can't do that. Like, like the, the mayor and these people, I'm like, great, you're fucking badged up. I'll see you out there. You know, here's patrol seven. Yeah. You're ready to go. No. And I, and to my knowledge, uh, not one, and this is something I used to bring up in roll call a lot. Not one of those city council members has ever done a ride along. They have no idea uh, what police responds to in term, like on terms of like a normal shift. And um, they don't know, I mean, the, the, the shelters that we respond to and the homeless encampments and that kind of thing. I, I don't know if they're aware of how the money is being allocated and um, just what the resources are doing. And I'm not saying one or the other. I'm not in a position to make those decisions. I don't have their expertise either, but the least they could do is do a ride along to see um, 
you know, to, to, to gain that knowledge, to make a, uh, uh, informed decision. I read here in Austin, they also defunded 150 million or something like that. But the article in which I read painted the picture of the negative longitudinal effect because that's two or three police academy classes that are now gone. So those guys are not going to get new recruits. And mm-hmm. then the people that would train them are either piecing out or retiring. And you're going to see two or three years down the line the this impact longitudinally. Yeah. yeah, you have these unintended consequences. The officers that are... The officers that are leaving the department right now are the ones with probably five years or fewer on. And that makes a lot of sense because you don't have as much wrapped up in retirement and that kind of thing. But what you have now is a whole generation. They're they're typically younger officers, right? So now you have a whole generation of younger officers who are more in tune with what um, communities want. They're typically more diverse, right? So you have these these younger officers that are going to other departments when that's exactly who we need um, and that's again another kind of unintended consequence. Just like, and then you're, what are you, who are you left with? Like the the old timer who who you know doesn't doesn't particularly like to take nine one one calls anyways. And um, and and so yeah, text you're absolutely right. It goes it goes down all the way down to the academy level of people. Um, you're you're now you you don't need those resources as much. So you have those folks you know looking for other work and that kind of thing. And I pal that's detective man he's been a police officer since 2008 but now a detective and he said they they cut two guys and they're not bringing in a new greenhorn and they had a systematic approach to bring in one new Mm -hmm. guy for their team of 12 that these old timers could help bring them up to speed and what to look for how to interview how to interact mentor Mm -hmm. and so they shrunk their team and now no new guys are coming in and so his his big fears are long term as well because now it's cases are going to pile up, not get solved, and then more and more crimes will happen because you won't get caught. Dude, it, this is like the pendulum swing, right? It's swinging this way, and the problem is is that it's going to take something uh, catastrophic to swing it back the other way. And um, unfortunately, I mean that's uh, that's a scary time. Maybe I don't know. Silver lining, wishful thinking. But maybe there is innovation that stems from this void. I don't like. You thinking like our taser guy? Kinda. Like I can't help but think back to that. Now I know this is like a not a less than lethal problem. This is like a societal fabric. Like something is torn in in ha- like the societal perception of law enforcement. You know what I mean? So like there there is a very human disconnect here. But I also am curious. Like so th- I can't help but think. Re- Rick What's, Smith, right? Yeah. Yes, Rick Smith. I, like, Episode I can't help but 321. think of if this could be a catalyst towards something like that. But then, I, like... Th- well, but uh, here's an issue, too, that, I, that, that I've got into and just kind of straw man polling and just talking to people. Um, the amount of people that I've met, especially people that are extremely inflammatory and this and, you know, going through... I'm like, what are your interactions? Have you ever had a negative interaction with the police? No. Mm-hmm. Very few, like the amount of people that have had uh, or like all their uh, negative. Well, I got a ticket once and the cop was a dick to me. And I'm like, well, did he pull you out of the car and fucking beat you or taste you or do this type of stuff? Well, I saw on TV, I saw on it. And I'm like, so what you're telling me is that the social media and the way that it's being 
presented to us is polarizing you into an opinion that's not based off of your interaction. I've had plenty of and interactions. To, and that's not to say those things don't occur. I no. agree completely, John. But, and uh, you and I know you know that, right? But yeah. it does. It becomes that becomes the the, the norm, not the exception. The norm. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, it, and they're not seeing the backstory. They're just showing you the one incident. They're not showing not, you the 45 minutes leading up to that. Right. Like uh, it, it, it kind of reminds me of um uh for instance, like either parenting or giving birth and that kind of thing, you only hear or whatever, you only hear like the nightmare stories. Nobody says, no, it went pretty smoothly. And, uh, you know, you only hear like, oh, like all the sleepless nights and all that stuff. You don't hear like, no, like, yeah, you, that phase that, that, that goes by, it's not that crazy. Like, you know, and, and that becomes the sensationalized aspect becomes, that becomes a thing. Or, or the good stuff of like, Hey, I'm up at three in the morning, like just hanging out with my kid and like, right. it's all quiet and dark. And you're like, oh, I, I should be, uh, sleeping. But like at the end of the day, like I'll never get this memory back. And like, uh, right. as, as many sleepless nights as we have, like, I, I don't probably portray that enough of like the really cool moments of like sitting there looking at your wife and you're both holding kids and realizing you guys haven't showered in two days and um, you just want these things to go to sleep and like kind of being like, don't worry, we're going to get through this. You know, like that's, I mean, that's part of the good stuff. And I think what, what helps you earn your badge as a parent, Um, I'm sure as a law enforcement, same thing, like the way you earn your stripes is by going through these perilous situations and dealing with this and coming out the other side uh, victorious so uh, I'm, I'm, um, what, what we were talking about as you stepped away was that mm-hmm. we've seen the pendulum swing this way. What's it going to take to swing the pendulum back uh, is kind of a scary thought. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was talking about with, uh, you know, you see, you see people kind of garner a bit more respect for police when something really significant happens and the police have to respond, and nobody wants that to happen, right? But unfortunately, that's just the kind of environment that we live in where, um, you know, the the minutia, the seemingly like minutia stuff that we do on a daily basis, none of that stuff is recognized or even like the dangerous shit that we deal with on a daily basis. Like there are many days where it's you fear like I, I was scared to go to work because of things that happened the night before. Like I can't I, I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that. Like I was scared to go to work. And um, and, you know, that kind of thing, like you just, that's not something that is talked about or commonplace and respected. Uh, and I'm not asking for anyone to like give us any undue respect or anything, but I think it at least should be talked about in that, um, there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice, mental sacrifice, emotional sacrifice that these people are, are doing currently, especially with, with the times that we have right now. And, uh, um, that should be, that should be something that's, honored and respected and um otherwise like one of the last instagram posts that i made before i got off instagram was just you got a fucking issue with the police we are taking applications and i mean that in a very true and real way like there's a lot of unemployed people out there if you don't have an extensive criminal background and you want to see reform then get out do a ride along see if it's for you and and start putting your money where your mouth is and experience it and and bring something to the table because everyone can, everyone comes from a, a, a history of experiences where they can level with someone like no one else. Right. And, um, I just, uh, I just, I just think that it's much easier to sit back and sort of just comment along the way and criticize than it is to actually experience it, make decisions under stress and do it every single day, multiple times a day. The man in the arena. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah. Arena. It's easy. I mean, we got it up there on the wall. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. Yeah. It's funny that, that you mentioned that. I, um, before Tom left to go to, uh, OCS, like um, a year ago, basically now, um, I wrote that I wrote the man in the arena, the whole, um, speech on a, on a piece of paper, a waterproof piece of paper. And I folded it up and put it in his envelope and he ended up finding it later. And, uh, I was going through his wallet the other day to look for something and he still had it, still had it there. And he still had uh, a business card from, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but like a business card from, uh, one of the places we had like our first dates. So, uh, he's had that for like years. That old so. softy. I know. He's, what a- he's such a great guy. Yeah. Oh, Tom. I know. Uh, we're going to talk Tom about something. Cat. We're going to talk Cat. about something positive now. Thank God for Tom. I'm, the, I'm, you know what? Tom chivalry did. is not dead, John. No. I and, told and you. And you know what? It uh, it just took Callie to mature and to understand Yeah. that, like, you know, chivalry is not dead and there's good dudes in the You know, I did. I had, to, I had to go through some stuff. I had to see yeah. some shit. You with know. some people who've done some stuff. I, 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 I've stuff. done some stuff with some people that have seen some shit. I, like, is that speaking, how that went? Speaking of Andy Stumpf, um, we, uh, the, the wellness unit that I was working with in my light duty, um, we just got him to be a speaker, to come out and speak to um, SPD. We're putting together, or they're putting together, since I, I'm not working for him right now, but they're putting together a speaking event for the frontline officers and then like frontline supervisors and some of the chain of command. So he's going to come out and talk about some leadership stuff and hopefully improve a little bit of morale, which I, I think is super cool. So we're nice. looking for more speakers. It's, you know, I'm, I'm speaking at uh, Flexi uh, next what's, month. What's Flexi? Uh, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center out oh. in uh, Odom, Georgia. So oh, I'm, nice. I'm going out what's to your, there. What's your subject matter? Uh, I still got to create their talk. So okay. I'm, um, I'm going to repurpose one. But uh, like, I think they're, they want to do more like interview kind of stuff. Because okay. it, it, yeah, cool. be it was supposed to be an in-person event. And then, of course, of course in the COVID, the COVID deal, now they want to do like more like an interview and like tape and like put it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, that'll be cool. That'll be really neat. Yeah. Anyway, do you guys have any other questions? Because I, you know, when we talked about what... Um, kind of what topics we wanted to go over. I thought like this, what a great opportunity though, to speak more about like law enforcement. And I think one of the, the things that I, I wanted to relay is just that, like you said, I think you said earlier, John, like we're just humans. And like, I don't think most people know too, that like you deal with cops in civilian clothes all the time who are not working. They're like the same, they're just, they're, yeah, just they're you, wearing only... 5'11 tactical pants and uh, <laughs> well, down some shirts. of them are. Yeah. So some, some of the douchebags are, but they're, but they're just like, there's, they're just normal people. And I think like, we forget that you can meet someone really like them. And then now we live in a time and age where if you find out they're a cop, like I I just, there have been, I remember meeting someone once who found out that I I was a cop within like 10 minutes of meeting me and, um, really was extremely disrespectful to me. Um, and, uh, said that, you know, anyway, had a a bunch of negative things to say to my face. And it was like, what, like five minutes ago, we were like chatting, like we were old friends. And, uh, so it's, it's really unfortunate, the divide that it's occurred. Dude, I'm telling you, it's the media and the polarization. It's a 24 hour news cycle. Like, I don't think, um, 
Like it, it feels like a den of pit vipers fighting for their next meal to try <laughs> to get another hit. And they just put out the most grotesque, awful shit. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's done by design. This thing isn't an accident. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a function. I don't, I think I don't disagree, but it's gotta be something different, right? Cause we are subject to the same narrative. Like the the four of us right here are subject to the same narrative and we don't carry that same sort of like visceral response to someone being a police officer. So like there's something more to it, man. Well, certainly. I mean, I I don't think we can't take away the fact that like many minorities, depending on what city you're in and you're the cop that you're dealing with, have had, you know, have um, like a lifetime of. Yeah, some poor, extremely poor treatment, um, unjust treatment and that kind of thing. And so I'm all for reform. I just, you know, I think that Mm -hmm. we can't completely villainize an entire that that uh, the amount of good that officers are doing, um, whether people want to believe it or not. I can speak from someone who I don't have. I have more allegiance to power athlete than I do SVD, truly. And um, I can tell you you, that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) There's people there are people doing a tremendous amount of good work and it's, um, it's far more than the bad. Yeah. And it's Um, like, it's terrible that people, you know, so that's where it is. It's like that individual you were talking to Callie, right? Like it's such a narrow focus. Like what is the, what is the, what is the root of, of choosing to have such narrow focus on a subject or series of subjects and uh, avoiding possibilities that go against that lens. Like, I don't know. Like how, how can you not think broadly enough to realize that just cause you have a, a bad cheeseburger at McDonald's doesn't mean all cheeseburger joints are bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's all different. It's all different. Like everything. I don't yeah. know. There's so much variance. So what you're saying it. is we need like the in and out burger of law enforcement. Oh my uh, God. We have it, John. And it's, have you seen judge dread? <laughs> Dude, have I, I? so i've also like in terms of like the you. pendulum swinging in the void that we've created here with law enforcement like is there an is there is there a, an outcome here where there's a new level of law enforcement not like a replacement well, but you have like the we're gonna have to figure out something because uh whatever between the national guard working well, we Police worked Department. with the National Guard. Right. I don't know if that's the no, <laughs> um, but the like. I think it's going to have to be something more like Rick Smith. I mean, like, there's a problem. Send the drones out, shock everybody mm-hmm. unconscious, and then go pick up the pieces and watch the video. Like a like a private police. No, force but or I something. mean, think think about that. Like a crime's in action. You send out your drone, shocks a person unconscious. You watch the video, and then you make the decision before they wake up and be like. Oh, yeah. I, I woke up. Where am I? Well, you got, uh, you know, the, 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 the drone shocked you and mm-hmm. now you're in a padded cell or you're here. I mean, maybe it's, it's something as simple as being like, we're just going to shock everybody unconscious. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to watch the video yeah. because we have cameras everywhere. This is, this and is if we're wrong, you get a thousand, yeah. thousand bucks. Yeah. This I'd be is like, George right, Orwell. Me, man. <laughs> well, this is George Orwell's 1984. We're now all of a sudden yeah. big brother is everywhere watching. Mm-hmm. And what we do is instead of dealing with this stuff in terms of like bringing in a person, we just, Send in the drones mm-hmm. and shock everybody yeah. like Rick Smith talked about. I mean, it, I know it sounds uh, crazy, but it, it just it's true. I mean, we as long as we have humans making these decisions, we're go- there's going to be fallibility and there's going to be mistakes made. And you you 
we've seen it in police work and the consequence is sometimes death. And um, oftentimes though, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of police officers making split decisions that end in death. That was the right decision. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't discredit that too. Well, think but- about all the Monday morning quarterbacks. Everybody wants to fucking Monday morning quarterback this stuff. And, and, and we have a Monday morning quarterback. It's called the legal system. It's the judicial mm-hmm. system, Monday morning quarterbacks. They make a decision and they, they go in. I mean, uh, um, I, what would, um, so like if there is a tomorrow or a future for the hens hmm. and it's not with SPD, like, are there any aspirations, anything you would want to follow up on? Maybe open like a, a restaurant or something, a nice like greasy a, spoon, like, like a breakfast a joint? decaf pumpkin spice uh, uh, um, a coffee joint. Yeah. Fulfill your uh, dreams of becoming a barista. Uh, what about a, uh, like antiquing, like opening a small antique shop with your mother? Uh, no, um, those things <laughs> never occurred to me. Uh, no, I, you know, opening my own like Guy Fieri style restaurant didn't really uh, occur to me, but um, with I those think, eyebrows, come on. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, I think, uh, for me prior to going on to light duty before I knew I was pregnant, I was sent to do some executive protection training. This is some irony, uh, which is I was slated to go to do, um, protection for the mayor. (laughs) And then I, you know, found out I was pregnant and, um, was put on light duty after doing patrol for a few more months. Uh, so anyway, I received like some pretty, uh, nationally recognized training for executive protection and met a lot of like cool cats there and a lot of interesting people who are weren't like weren't police officers but maybe were prior police or working you know I met a guy who protected Arnold Schwarzenegger I met people who um, do executive protection for like Boeing execs and that kind of thing so um, I might since I have the credentials now to do that I might consider doing that it could um, it the only issue with that is it is a, a quite a bit of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't, or it can be. Um, but that, that's something that I would consider doing because, um, you know, it's, it's similar. It's along, it's along a similar line of work. Um, but, and you, I'm qualified. You, you know, that's a big Matt does. Is that what he does? Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know you, uh, yeah, no, he, yeah, no, he does EP work. Uh, he works for, um, pretty, I'm not going to use the guy's name, but a very sure. high, high net worth family. And they do sure. like uh, two weeks on, two weeks off and do these kind of like roving patrols. And they do like, I think there's a team of 12 guys and they guard different people. There's two guys on each member of the family. And they, he travels for like two weeks with these individuals. And that's a pretty good schedule. Yeah. And he goes two weeks on, two weeks off. And there's a lot of, there's actually like um, a demand for females because uh, there's a lot of female executives who want, and it, it's more appropriate too to have a female um uh, EP person because you can follow the female exec into the bathroom and that kind of thing. And so, um, it's a little bit more appropriate, but there is a high demand for, for females, which this may be news. I am a female. What? So. <laughs> hey, text Google. Is Callie a female? Prove it. Put out, um, well, I'm, you do have a, a small, <laughs> a, a small human, uh, suckling from your that boob. That could be superimposed, <laughs> yeah. John. Um, well, cats have nipples. Could you, <laughs> could you milk cat, me, fucker? Cat milk. Cat milk is what we feed our daughter, John. I'm actually feeding my cat right now, which is the interesting <laughs> part. Who, Popeye? George, oh, he gone. George, did, did you get rid of now that you have kids? Did you just get rid of your cats? You cat hoarder? No way. No, it goes. It goes. Cats, Tom, kids. In terms of 
priority. I can't wait for you to get a dog. George Clostanza, is that what it is? Cat Stanza. Cat Stanza. Claw Stanza would have been hilarious. Oh, okay. Uh, no. No? Oh, come nah. on. Let's get a big burp. I know. Dude, she's she's going to barf. She's going to Luke Summers all over my yeah. back. Uh, like, listen, I here's found, a system. You got to shake them and slap no, them so they, you know. I found uh, if, I, if I put their chest on my hand and kind of leaned them over and gave them like a pat this way, that of one course. worked better for me. If you just drank a gallon of milk and you put your hand on someone's stomach and chest, of course they're going to burp it all up. My goal is for as much to stay in as possible. Oh, oh no, I, I, I was strategic. Wrong. I could burp over like kids, no problem. I just give them a little pop. Mm-hmm. Get them right <laughs> out. No pop. Um, anyway, I don't. I hope I didn't take it too much to negative town, but I, I did. So. Yeah, did when I no, that's my job. About that. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my job. Well, you did a bad job. Yeah. What are you guys gonna do? Um, are we gonna are we gonna reconvene for Summer Strong this year? Like, what do, what do you think the future is? Has anyone talked to Bert? Yeah, no, I I think they're gonna rally Summer Strong again. Um, I know that uh, uh, they were pretty crushed to not do Summer Strong. Um, yeah. So everyone uh, was. We were yeah. all just. Well, I mean, you know, there's no power athlete symposium either, so I mean, yeah, it's yeah. probably you know better to hiatus this thing out. And yeah, but I think Summer Strong will be, uh, you know a good event. I'm just, I'm curious to know what this whole deal looks like in May of next year. And then if they're going to, you know, reduce the amount, I mean, who knows? I just kind of, can that- we just, can we just like have a reunion where we do like a power athlete, like, um, sleep away camp type thing, but in like Buenos Aires or something like that, like, Portugal. Port- what do you think about Portugal? Portugal. I'm, so, I'm uh, not our, against it. Our boy. Barcelona. Dicas. 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 So I was on a podcast. Uh, this guy, uh, Dicas, hit me up. Big power athlete fan. Has a, like a huge following in, uh, um, is in Portugal. Has like 360,000 subscribers, subscribers on YouTube. And uh, so I was on his podcast and he's like, we would love to host you guys if you guys want to come. And I'm like, if you can book a seminar, even if it just gets one person. One person. Right. We're write it fly, off. We're, just, we just write it off. Dude, let me These tell companies, you. companies are out there. Yeah, I mean, they're, we're just going to write and stuff off. But I was like, They're man, the ones if, writing if, it off. If you can get enough people there where we can actually get the crew, we'll come over in full force. Yeah. I, I, I'm assuming I'm invited on that. I'm not yeah, up you to can, date on the content, but um, you're going to need someone to hype the crowd. And I think I'm just... The woe man. Yep, you know it. Like, bring like the, the uh, uh, like what's the uh, the little video clip with like uh, the African dudes dancing with the uh, caskets on their shoulders? Have you seen oh that? My. The African no. ca- uh, casket dancers. Uh huh. So like uh, at that their funeral, you pay these dudes and they come in and they do all these crazy dances. Like there's like six of them in unison with the casket. Yeah, you've never that. seen that. No. Is no. it is oh. it like blue, blue man group for funerals? Dude, it's the best. <laughs> and like every time I see it, I'm like. Well, I'm, I'm getting cremated. I don't want to live in a box for the rest of my life mm-hmm. uh, or eternity. But I'm like, okay, I, I, I want those dudes with my urn. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I did but, have a question, though. Uh, I don't want to get on a crazy social media tangent, but ooh, let's do it. You know, can me. I can I just ask you, um, like, how? Because I know you guys. I know where your heads at. I know where your priorities are. I know. I know what your heart tells you. Mm-hmm. How are you guys on social media still? Like, how can you be on Instagram? And I mean that, like, not in like a judgy way. I just mean it in sort of like a, like again, I know you, and I, I just don't know how you can do uh, that. If I would say, and I, I'm not going to speak for Luke, even though I know that you two schlubs like the amount of content that we within our personal pages. Like, like I, 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 like 
the only time I, I know it's necessary for y'all. I know it is. Necessary yeah. Like, I mean, power athlete, but like, I, um, it, it's funny. Like, uh, um, people are like, Oh, how come you're not posting more when I do? It's just like random, I don't know, either meat or trucks or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just like, I, I want to get back to a point where social media was just really cool cat memes mm-hmm. and like fun stuff well, like that, where I get be. to laugh, like, like seeing that dude skateboarding. I don't know if you thought it was as funny as I not did. Not at all. No. So there's a dude skateboarding. I mean, it's not bad, but it did. You really hyped it up, man. I thought I was coming in for something that was going to blow my socks off. Like wrecking. I ball. thought he would sing it. He was singing it personally. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Not oh, lip-sync. Oh, tell lip-sync. me, tell me. So, so uh, there's a, a deal. This guy, it's like a dog face. Uh, I think it's like two eighteen or two two oh eight. But he's basically like this, like old bato gangster dude, and he's high as fuck, like rolling on his skateboard, and he's and he's holding selfie mode. Yeah, he, he's holding selfie mode as he's riding his skateboard, and he's drinking out of a bottle of like a big bottle ocean of cranberry spray. juice, ocean spray, listening to Stevie Nicks. Um, is it, uh, it uh, is it emotions or dreams? Uh, yeah, like I forget the Stevie Nicks song. But like he, he's like listening to it and you hear it playing and all of a sudden the dude like seamlessly drops in and starts lip syncing the song as he's skateboarding. I think it's hilarious because all I'm picturing is like, I don't know, I, I even asked Nate, I'm like, Nate, have you ever been this high? <laughs> I asked Turley, I'm like, hey Turley, have you ever been this high? And like, no bro, nobody's been that high. I gotta see it. You know I'll laugh at anything and it's not Dude, it's, it's, it, it's, it's pretty hilarious. So then I like didn't think anything of it. And then Nate like uh, forwards me the guy's profile. I click on it. He's got like 575,000 followers on Instagram. And I was like, holy, holy shit. Dude, I think it's hilarious. Just the fact like I can imagine driving in LA and seeing just some like old Vato gangster like on a longboard, totally high, just carving it up, singing to Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. You're smashing like, some just cranberry, smashing juice. cranberry juice. I'm like, this is the most random thing I think I've ever seen. And he's got like a tattoo on his head. And the dude like, it's pretty good, man. I mean, but his ability, to, like he lip syncs it and hits it perfect. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what I was impressed by. Yeah. And I'm like, did so- he do this on the first try? Or was he like, Hold on, let me do this again. Like I think he just hit it. I don't so know. moral of the story, that's why you're still on like Instagram for yeah. content, I guess. Um the the other one too is uh um probably like Luke was telling me yesterday, like he's uh he's gotten really into uh like trying to pour that resin on your table. Um I've been pretty obsessed with uh, trying to kill pigs around here. So I put in like uh like Instagram and like there's a whole bunch of like pig hunters on Instagram and they post like how they set it up in their rigs. And so I've been kind of like really focused on trying to like educationally trying to figure out how to bait them, what their tracks are, like how people are killing them. And, um, you know, like the, the pig extermination has become like pretty into that. Like if you, I follow a bunch of hunters here in Texas. So I'm kind of into that piece. And I guess I wouldn't say I'm on it. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of good food stuff here in Austin, so I want to see. Yeah, I don't I want to like, see people killing pigs and food. the The extent of my usage is probably 20 minutes a day, if that. And on the weekends, I don't need like I tend not to even have my phone uh, yeah. next to me or on me. But um, I noticed. <laughs> I'll answer DMs yeah. if people DM me. Like through, oh my god! Um, like it's usually you power mean on, on the weekend. Like power or? athlete folks. No, no like, it'll be like power I... athlete folks have a question oh. about the Academy or programming or anything like I, that. So I, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll answer. I that try stuff. not to answer any DMS on the weekend. Uh, there's, there's a, like every once in a while, like a super hot girl says like, yeah. Hey cutie. So I usually bite on that. <laughs> do you know what I do? I, I usually send them back. Not today. ISIS, <laughs> not today. ISIS. Um, no. And then, uh, like kind of like John, if I feel like just my, sometimes I just want to jump into some mindless content. 
Yeah. Uh, I follow World of Engineering, which is super, like, just cool, like, yeah. engineering shit, or that's, Calvin and Hobbes. No, that's legit. Um, or this dude, Nathaniel the Pyle. I think I've, I've sent you some of these a while back, Callie. These comics of, like, it's the aliens who are, like, oh, that's super hilarious. literal. So, like, yeah. th- that's, like, it for me, is those yeah. accounts. And then I, I do, I don't know, I guess I probably sh- I kind of do an obligatory check on a lot of the block one coaches I have on a list and like make sure they're doing good, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of like their content. What about just truck pages? What about truck pages? No, nah, I'm all right on that. Uh, I'm like kind of into, well, obviously the square bodies, but we're into like it, the CV, C, CUCV. Like mm-hmm. uh, I follow one of the hashtags for like K30 to like see what's up with like one ton. Maybe I was just following the wrong shit. Because no, no, it, you're I, not. I mean, because it just, like even, just, even on my feed, like it, mm-hmm. I'm served... I try, not garbage. Write, yeah. I try not to click on the little uh, magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. So like what I've done is I've tried to be like, all right, I don't f- like, I'm not following any fucking like, so yeah. Like but I, if you want to go look up world of engineering or your Calvin and Hobbes, you got to do that shit. Yeah. The, um, but it, like, man, it's been tempting to, to pull the plug on it, but I don't know. I guess we need to have an internal discussion on that. I, I don't think that would be. Like, I don't even know what I'm contributing to it. I don't know what people are following me for. All I know is McQuilkin has, like, 200 more followers than me, and I keep going. I I venture in and out of, like, do I just bite the soap and get in on this and get to 10,000? Are you? How many do you you have? 93, I think. Dude, how many do you have? Um, 9,500. Wow. So, listeners, if you're following McQuilkin, tap that unfollow button and go to the Luke Summers on Instagram. I think I have 17,000. Are we still rolling? Yeah, because here's what you'll get from me. It's September. This will drop. Oh, I thought that was John yawning because I'm about to give Wade's Army some plug because we've crossed the $90,000 mark within the first 30 days, which is saying something. And we have six weeks until Wade's Day. Boom. So join the Fight Friday post showing off the new Wade's Army shirt, which Callie is is wearing. Looks lovely. Callie, turn. And then... Mixing together training videos, mm-hmm. showing some movements that we're representing within Field Strong or some jiggy shit, which we're playing around with and finding a place within the the program and have the opportunity. Because one of the the fallacies of social media that I find within the training space, avoiding all politics or nonsense like that, is the the coaches showing like a cool movement, or I'm doing this twist bend or just this piece. Yeah. That's actually that's actually good. One yeah. One thing and the that becomes oh that's then you get the in the comments and coaches are like tag hey let's do this in our warm up or add this to the class and that's a different perspective than ours with the power athlete developing and unlocking athletic potential. Well, so, isn't like uh, Instagram? I kind of think Instagram's a lot like a restaurant. You can go eat like you can kind of set it up anyway. Like and I think the problem is people follow you know, certain things and you're like following CNN and Fox news and, you know, Breitbart and like you're following stuff and you're like, like, I'm not like the world that they're portraying isn't what I'm seeing within my neighbors and my company and how I like, I'm like, like it's like an alternate reality. And you're like, man, like, but this isn't the reality that I'm seeing. Um, yeah, just I would, I, I agree. I think, uh, I, I think it's probably more my fault, like user error and the way I'm using it and the way I've, I've, um, decided to, um, consume information 
more than it's, you know, than it's like the machine that's the problem. Yeah. I think like you're, you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's a tool. It's a tool if you know how to use it appropriately. And I think, I think it, I just was like, you know, especially when all of this um, anti-cop cop stuff was coming out, I think I was like, it's personal now. Like, it's, whatever. Well, you just got deleted. Like, look for, I like food. I want to see one-ton trucks and I want to know right. how people are killing pigs. Other than that, I don't really care. Well, I, and power athlete and lifting I'm going to say when I go on our power athlete account, I know we follow a shit ton of uh, different pages and there is an inordinate number of women with giant rear ends that we follow. Sorry. Which, um, <laughs> I'm a married man. Uh, unfo- so I know unfortunately, that I don't even have access to power athlete HQ. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't Whenever even John like, gets a password. We hop in and change. It. <laughs> <laughs> like I, no, that's I, why I change. yeah, no, I, I don't even have access to uh, There's power athlete. nothing square body about these broads. I'll tell you. Right All now. I know hey, was, oh. uh, 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 Harry set up his algorithm on Johnny one and I'll click on that. And the, the people that are following on Johnny, I'm like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I, I don't even need to, I didn't even know these people exist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's oh man. Harry. Remember when he went through the phase where all he wanted to do is post like repost women of like wearing full sleep tattoos, wearing our gear, you know, like mm-hmm. that, yeah. that was his jam. That was, I mean, that sex sells. That was Harry's approach. That's right. He ain't wrong. And sweet tats like tribal armbands. Right. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm not. Oh, well, maybe we just missed. I don't know if there. anybody's gotten a tribal armband since the 90s. Want to bet? I'll go get another one. <laughs> just to Tex, win that you don't band. have any tattoos, What year do you? did you? Wh- yeah, we yeah. can't tell these two, Harry. We're the um, only wholesome people. When did you get that tattoo? 2000. In 17? 18? 2000. <laughs> Dude. Okay. In the year You were probably the last person to get a tribal arm tattoo. Could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, I'm, la- I'm, the last, I'll be the last one surviving with it, and then I'll be a relic. <laughs> They'll be like, we found this one corpse that's got this really interesting tattoo. Doesn't connect though, so it must be something weird. Mm-hmm. He must be. His arms must have been huge. <laughs> yeah. What? No good, Tex. Yeah, my arm grew. No, they grew after you got the tat. That's why it's not connected. Makes sense, man. Well, Tex actually has a bunch of tats. We just can't see him with the body hair. So I know there's a butterfly on the small of his back. Mm-hmm. Oh but, yeah, but he's super shy. We only see it. In yeah, the but we we all got that tattoo when we were working at CrossFit Dupont. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like the Olympic rings, but like right. a unicorn, mm-hmm. like a unicorn, a unicorn <laughs> with the horn down towards your butt crack. Right. Exactly. It was inverted. <laughs> <laughs> Get it inside the butt crack. Mm. It was mm. inserted. Well, I mean, it, you got to follow Matthew Modine on Instagram. You know, are like the newest member of our Power Athlete family. What is funny on Power Athlete Radio iTunes page, it has like all of our hosts name with no picture and then featured guests. It's got Matthew Modine's. Nice. So not yet. Anyways, our past guests have not been famous enough to like iTunes to pick Make up it. and put them on there. But we as hosts are there because we're listed as hosts, Luke and I. Nice. And then I'm not. No, me. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Modine. So if, say, in one year, people go to Power at the iTunes radio to leave us a rating or review of five stars and smash that subscribe button. If you haven't already. They'll only see Luke, Tex, and Modine. <laughs> Hopefully we get some more popular guests until then. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Voice of an angel. So, Callie, you coming back? Oh, she's gone. Yeah. 
All right. Well, mommy duty calls. I think that's it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a wild ride with the crew. Uh, we are pleased to have brought you another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning hey. and do what text Zero. said. Go to iTunes. Did you say, say it again? Strength. Ing, ing, Zero. Ing. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I guess if you have a question, call the hotline, 929-464-464-0. That's ing, ing. Zero. That's right. Oh, my God. How much do you love being like a faux radio host right now? <laughs> All right, that? ladies and gentlemen, it's time <laughs> to fry up some eggs and get some bacon Dude, and biscuits. I, we are going to get this radio hot. And when I say it's hot, it's hot. Coming up is local weather. We are in Austin, oh, 74 God. visibility, four miles. Barometric pressure is 14 nautical light years. Most <laughs> How cold is it? Just cold enough to get hard nipples. That's right. Most common, most common things said in the first five minutes of Power Athlete Radio are the weather, uh, Jean Wellbornet, a special <laughs> friend of the podcast, special guest friend of the podcast. What else? Like the most common things that we hear in the first five that minutes. That French guy, he's such a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Burn ban um, is off. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about calling the hotline the other day and just trying to use as many impressions as possible. I was going to pretend like I was your dad, Luke, and call and remind you to brush your teeth. Hey, don't um, forget to brush your teeth. <laughs> is that the way he talks? Because that's hey, not how it hurt. <laughs> Have you guys got many calls on that, though? All day. It blows up all day. No, it does Lots not. Lots of dick pics. <laughs> it's... A, isn't it just like an online No, number? you can How text you... to it, too. Oh, really? Yeah, lots, lots of dick pics. That's right. No, it's not. Yeah, Luke's mm-hmm. collecting them. He's been uh, printing tell. them out and then putting them all over the office. Well, dick, 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 dick. Nixon. Yeah, dick it's Tracy. just Luke sending his own that? dick pics. A lot. Let's see. What other, what other famous dicks uh, Luke are and Dusty. <laughs> the oh, yeah. classic dicks. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same dick. Yeah. Dat dick. Dat dude. Dat Dead dick dough. <laughs> Dead dick dough for show. For show. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I've had a great time, Callie. It's been great catching up with you. Indeed. Yeah. And see you in a hundred episodes, I guess. <laughs> see you in a thousand years. We'll see you, we'll see you in Portugal. Uh, bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. I know I said it several times on the show, but if you're looking to learn more about police work in general or you want to see how your local department stacks up, I highly encourage you to do a ride along. There is nothing quite like seeing for yourself where improvements can be made or where credit is due. Until next time, uh, bye!